Hey everyone, welcome back to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. How are you doing today, John? Good. I'm doing awesome. Excellent, excellent. So it's another episode, another week, another episode. What have you been playing, John? What's been keeping you busy these days? Uh, I was playing, I'm playing more Burnout, uh, grinding away at races, and I always blank on whatever the hell anybody asks me what I'm playing. Um, it's probably oh, because I, you, it's probably because you got that question so much back in the day. Like people would come into the store and just be like, "Hey, what have you? What are you playing right now?" And you're just kind of like, oh. you know, it's like it's it's like kind of like a throwaway question. You get a lot when you work video game retail, so you probably just aren't you know used to that question. Well, and I also play video games like a ADD riddled squirrel. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> I bounce from game to game. So actually, I um, I've been playing a lot of uh, Xbox Live download games like. Uh, uh, I started Kingdom Hearts 1 again on Xbox Live because the incredibly expensive re-releases on Xbox finally got dropped down to a decent sale price. Mm. Um, so I picked those up, and uh, they're, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I want to, the, the opening on those games is really, really slow, at least for the first one. Yeah. So I'm trying to get off that stupid island so that way I can, like, throw my daughter in front of it and be like, hey, watch me beat up Mickey with this sword. <laughs> she probably enjoys that yeah well i mean that game's filled with disney princesses so she'll nice. enjoy it nice so she's she's a disney girl then she's growing up a disney oh, yeah. disney kid all right good yeah she really likes cinderella ra- randomly like the uh, original the, uh, yeah the the one from like the 30s nice <laughs> it's those mice those mice are pretty hey, damn awesome that's great hey a classic's always a classic i also i uh, I'm gonna gripe about one of the games that I that will be in my pickup pile later. So we'll save that for later. All right, all right. So I I played to completion Resident Evil Three. I beat it in nice. seven and a half hours, and in my opinion, there is zero replay value in that game. No. So, I mean, the only thing you can really do in replay is they've got essentially they've got like tasks you can do, like kill a hundred zombies with a handgun. Kill 100 okay. zombies with the shotgun. And when you get those, you get the currency. And you use that currency then to buy, like, the infinite rocket launcher. You use that currency to buy the infinite magnum. Stuff like that. Are uh, the uh, are the infinite rocket launcher and the magnum, like, are they unattainable amount of currency or no? No, I didn't think it was too bad. I just didn't, I just didn't feel like farming it. And I actually did think about it. I actually, there was a moment I had where I thought, you know, because you can load a save state. And because like one of them was like kill a hundred zombies with the with the assault rifle, and like I'm, there's literally a part where you're Carlos, and it's waves of zombies are coming in, and you're just mowing them down. So I was okay. like, well, I could load that, kill all those zombies, reload it, kill them all again, because it just keeps track of your total kills, like multiple playthroughs oh. and stuff like that. So they're not unattainable. I just I had that thought, and I was like, I could do this, and then it quickly faded. <laughs> it's just like did you. I was done besides having no replay value. Did you enjoy it? I did, and that's why I'm so torn on the game. Uh, so when I first started playing it, I have to be totally honest, the, the nemesis in the beginning, when they just drop him into the open world that you're kind of running around in at that moment is Mm -hmm. total BS. It's awful because he's not scripted. He's just like randomly doing moves based on proximity to you, based on proximity to other things. There's zombies running like, and you're low on ammo. Like the whole thing's annoying. And it was actually ruining the game for me. Then once you get out of that initial area, which is probably like the first two hours of the game, Okay. Everything after that essentially is really scripted with him. 
And it was a lot better. It was so much better as a scripted event. Like instead of just dropping, because there was a point where he's like chasing you and I'm running away and I juke him through this hallway and, and all of a sudden like I'm running forward and he just straight missiles down like in this capsule and he drops right in front of you. And then he like punched me to the ground. He like charged and punched me. I couldn't get away from it. And then when I was on the ground, he punched me two more times and killed me. Like I'm on the ground. I can't get up, you know? And so I got, I got really frustrated in the beginning after I got through that initial part. Very good. And I was very happy with it, but with no replay value, a short game, I have a really hard time recommending it for 60 bucks. Yeah. Uh, and so it is good. If you loved Resident Evil two remake, play it. But in my opinion, definitely step backwards. Like it, like Resident Evil two seemed to have, well, first of all, there's four different ways to play the game. Cause there's Leon a and B and there's Claire a and B and then Resident Evil nemesis is just one playthrough. So it's okay. weird that they charge the same amount of money you know, for a game that's clearly one fourth, like one fourth the length of uh, end effort, you know, but I think that's why they had that, that extra multiplayer tacked on. So that way it seems like it's more, yeah. more value for your money. Yeah. Which I didn't play. I only played the beta and the beta was unplayable. The okay. it, it was so laggy and terrible. And then it just wasn't fun. And asymmetrical multiplayer. I'm not really a fan of anyway, like one versus four. I wish they would have just done like a four player mercenaries mode. Like mercenaries mode yeah. is awesome. Just give us a new mercenaries mode. Like it, I don't I understand like what the malfunction is there. Uh when it comes I, to like mercenaries mode just being gone cuz they didn't include it in Resident Evil 2 remake either. And I'm like th- this game I mean I know I can still play it in Revelations 2 and Revelations 1 and all the other games that have it, but I want to play it in Resident Evil. Yeah, Resident Evil keeps trying new things with multiplayer and just failing at it yeah like the uh, that umbrella corpse game that they released yeah that was rough widely regarded as one of the worst ps4 games ever made yeah that one's not not good um and then uh lastly i played mostly because i've been playing some animal crossing still but i'm really just in the daily grind of that game now where just every day i log in i hit the nook machine so i get my 300 miles i run around the island picking everything up picking up the leaves, picking up the sticks. And then I like hit the rocks and I just kind of farm some money and I shut it off. So like, I don't have a lot left to do in animal crossing. Like I just have to daily, like let the new villager come put a new house down, get the next villager, you know, just kind of, I'm just in the rotation <laughs> to get to like the end, end of the game. Cause I want to get to the end so that I can terraform the Island and get rid of all the BS rivers and stuff that exists there. Like I just okay. want to, I just want to get rid of it. Cause it's just awful. And I can't make my bridges because I like built a building too close to the river. So I can't build a bridge because the bridge has to have so much room. Like it's just, it's just annoying. But, uh, so on stream yesterday and today, cause I've been streaming Monday through Friday, 2 PM to 5 PM on Twitch. And I decided that I'm not going to play animal crossing anymore. Cause I'm running out of things to do for three hours on a stream of that game. So <laughs> okay. I started, I started playing Final Fantasy seven, the, the remaster for PS4. So it's not the remake because the remake's coming. A remake is a complete build rebuild of a game. Remaster is taking the original assets and like cleaning everything up, increasing the resolution. Uh, and that's what this is. And it's very good. Uh, and, and although what's funny is my goal was to get to the point that Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to get to, which is out of Midgar. That's what okay. they've claimed. They've claimed that one like the, the Final Fantasy VII Remake will take you to the point where you leave Midgar. I got there, John, in under six hours. <laughs> so I, I know that Final Fantasy VII Remake, they've padded it out to 30 hours of gameplay. But yeah. my goodness. I mean, I thought it was, I thought Midgar was closer to 15 to 20 hours. I swear, I really did. And maybe the first time through, I explored a little bit more and wasn't just like point A to point B. But 
I mean, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Under six hours to get out of Midgar. I was uh, I was listening to the Kind of Funny podcast where they talked about uh, they did a spoiler-free review of that game, and they I, you're gonna be you're gonna be happy. Yeah, nice. <laughs> they, I'm excited. They, they basically said they they were flabbergasted by how good this remake is and how like every little system that you could possibly want them to fix or like thing that would make sense where you'd be like man i wish this was a thing they they did it so that's awesome they they also said that it ends in a way that feels like it would be a true ending if if they were if they were done but also obviously leaves you wanting more sure well and that's the thing at the end of midgar like that you could totally close that as a story arc and close it out like you could end the game there and you could be like, all right, hey, we we escaped Midgar, you know, blah. I mean, it would be a bad ending, but, it, you know, you'd be left wanting more, but you could end it there in a really strong way. So I think that's how it's going to go. But yeah. obviously, you know, who, who knows? And uh, until I actually play it. And it was funny because bef- a few weeks, like right after the demo came out, Jason Schreier on Kotaku talked about, um, he talked about how he played three different vertical slices of the game. So it wasn't mm-hmm. the demo that we all played. It was like different parts of the game and he he said that it was really disjointed and he didn't like it but now that the full game's out he said he loved it but he said that all the filler stuff they added was really boring and so then i thought i got to thinking though and here's my the whole point about bringing this up do people forget how boring rpgs were on the ps1 era like (laughs) it's it's a it's a 30 to 60 hour game of course there's terribly boring parts. Like every 60 hour game has boring parts. Like I don't understand that. I don't understand how people don't seemingly remember how games work and how just stories in general work. You can't just have a Michael Bay movie. Even Michael Bay doesn't do this where it's just nonstop adrenaline from start to finish. You have to have ups and downs. You have lulls, you have spikes, you know, and you have like, that's how a story works. And so I like when they talk about how all the filler is really boring. Well, it's probably a lot of story heavy stuff. And it's probably a lot of deep dives into characters we didn't know anything about previous or that we mm-hmm. only knew a name and like one sentence backstory. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably gonna be pretty boring if you don't care about like the universe it exists in. And I love that universe. So I'm like excited to dive back into it. But um, what the uh, the kind of funny guys were totally the opposite of Schreier. So like awesome. they were saying that that even like the little side characters that in the original game were like a complete throwaway that you're like, do they even have a name? That they even made those characters really fleshed out and interesting where you're like, man, I kind of wish they were in the game more. Um, So yeah, I, I think... Schreier's articles is probably just garbage. Yeah, well, and he screw that guy. You know, he. I mean, he's got opinions. It's an opinion. It's fine. You know, and that's his. Uh, I don't typically agree with him on a lot of game related stuff, so I'll I'll listen to it. And if he says something bad about something, I'm like, oh, I'll probably like it. Uh, so, so there's that. Um, but it's, with the, I'm totally on the hype train. Like, I'm I'm probably going to pick on that game up. And like, if you would ask me that like a month ago, I would have been like, yeah, when it's cheaper. But really no, nice. Pick it up right away. I, I'll tell you, so I haven't played Final Fantasy VII, the original one. I hadn't played it in probably, God, I don't know, 15 years maybe, 20 years. Like, I just never picked it up again. I I had it, you know, I played through it on PS1 a few times when I had a PS1. I loved it. And then I bought the re-release on PS4 when it came out, 
I don't think I got the Steam version, but I bought it on PS4 when it came out, and I didn't even play it. Like, it, I installed it, and I was like, I'll play this sometime, and I just never played it. You know, no big deal. <laughs> and then because I was streaming, I thought, well, I want to start playing a different game from Animal Crossing. I want to play an RPG. I won't finish any RPG before, like, starting Monday, and then, you know, before Thursday, I won't finish it. So what do I play? And I thought, well, I'll play Final Fantasy VII, get to the point where the you know, where the remake's going to go to. And it actually worked out really well. Surprisingly, like my schedule worked for something. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I am a hundred percent on the hype train. I, I don't think, you know, there could have been a better time for COVID-19 to come and like destroy our worlds <laughs> than March and April. Cause I had animal crossing and final fantasy. It makes me a little sad that they pushed back cyberpunk now because i would have yeah. dove right into cyberpunk man i would have been playing that just non-stop like just headphones on hood up and like just playing that in the dark in my room and jenny would come by me like are you hungry I'd be like get out of here get out of here i'm playing my game don't talk to me <laughs> it's just like fairly just looking at me like eh, eh. <laughs> get out of here she like opens up a window I'm like eh, sunlight <laughs> don't you have work to do get away from me <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm like god get out of here woman get out of here um, I would never say that to her, <laughs> but um... uh, I actually I also started playing uh, Final Fantasy seven remake, the remaster remake remake or... re the remaster. The thing that's currently out that you can play that's not super. pretty. Yes. A remaster uh... <laughs> is just a, a prettying up of the original. A remake is yeah. a complete rebuild. Yep. OK, so I was playing the <laughs> remaster and um, I definitely got further than I ever got before. Like it's still. I'm still like probably maybe a half hour into the game, but it like, I'm definitely more interested than I've ever been. Nice. Um, what part did you get to as achievements? Um, oh, nice. oh, barely anywhere. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I won't, I won't embarrass but, you by asking you to go further, but yeah, I, I do want to play more and like, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for the new game. I, um, I also have the entire week off next week. Cause I was going to like, it's my birthday next week. And I was like, we're going to go to the Shed Aquarium and, like, my daughter will see dolphins and all that for the first time. And I was like, never mind. <laughs> I'm going to stay at home and make sure yeah. she doesn't bother my wife while she's working. Well, and my birthday, so we're recording this on Wednesday night. So my birthday's tomorrow, but when everyone's listening to this, my birthday is going to be today. So my birthday is Thursday, so I definitely feel your pain, man. Us April birthdays, we got we got the shaft this year, you know, and you can't do... Well, quite literally anything <laughs> with yeah. anybody. You just can't do anything, but it's fine. I'm, I mean, I, you know, I'll do something in January. I'll get all my friends together. I'll go bowling or something, or I don't know. I I'm don't just know. glad that we're slowly getting like trickles of new video game news. Uh, because yeah. like for a while it's like, oh God, is there going to be nothing to look at video game wise? And then we're also going to like have to deal with nothing but doom and gloom news forever <laughs> right and then uh you know because they delayed last of us and iron man vr which i know you're very sad about iron man vr and last of us too they, they pushed them back indefinitely but one of the games that's still in limbo is ghosts of tsushima that was yeah. supposed to be coming out in june so a month after last of us too so i don't know if they're still waiting to see if it's gonna be like if that one month difference does make a difference and i have a feeling last of us is probably gonna get pushed to like october because then you get a little bit of the holiday feel and you get the halloween kind of spooky crowd you know i i that like to me makes more sense as an october game anyway than releasing well, it in may but the weird thing like i they said they're done with last of us but i feel like the delay right now is more so like would releasing this anytime soon be in good taste? 
I, I, and, I don't think that affected it. To be totally honest with you, I don't think it did. Well, and can they print enough discs in time? Th- that makes more sense too. to me. And here's the other thing, too. I'm sure that they considered the strategy of releasing it digitally only first mm-hmm. and then pushing back the physical. But I guarantee Sony has internal metrics that show that, first of all, when you have digital things, people don't typically <clears throat> pre-order digital. Like, it does happen. But I'd mm-hmm. like to see a percentage of people that pre-order a digital game compared to pre-ordering a physical game. Because, like, when you pre-order a physical, it's because you want to make sure that they have one at the store when you go. There's almost literally no point in pre-ordering a digital game unless you, uh, except for the preload. The preload is nice. Like, you yeah. could preload Final Fantasy VII starting on, like, Monday of last of this week or even earlier than that. So that's good, obviously. You know, so if you get the game, it'll, it would be downloaded and ready to unlock and start playing. Uh, but I guarantee people don't pre-order digital anywhere close to pre-ordering or ordering physical. So I think their their thought was we could release this half and half or we can just push it back and do like a really big deserving launch. Because that's kind of like arguably that game's going to be like the last super send off for the PS4. You know, yeah. like and, and maybe they prefer that it comes out after Tsushima anyway. Because then, then it won't be known as like the last great, you know, um, exclusive that the console launches. But yeah, I don't know. Everything's thrown into a tizzy right now with uh, w- with this whole thing going on. And and we didn't cover the, We're not going to cover the story. But even uh, Japan, their their ratings board, like we have the ESRB rating system. There they have something called Ciro, C-E-R-O. And it's basically the same thing. It's like this game is for adults, this game's for teen, you know, whatever. It's the same, it's the same system, just the Japanese version. And yep. they announced that they're shutting down operations for 30 days. So you cannot have a game given a rating in the next 30 days, which means it's going to essentially push back almost everything in the Japanese side release schedule by 30 days. Which is also kind of weird because they just send in footage for the most part of those games and people review footage. So you'd be you'd think they could still work from home and maybe upload footage to a server and they could down. You know what I mean? Like th- there's ways I think they could have worked around it, but they're totally right. shutting down operations uh, for the next 30 days. So I don't know if that'll have any effect on us here. Um, but it, if if a game gets delayed in Japan, it might just the ripples might just delay us here too. So it's hard to say. Um, but... uh, the, the only reason why I was thinking they might de- they might delay Last of Us partially outside of the the coronavirus thing is just because like Doom and Animal Crossing are doing so well right now, and I feel like they're partially benefiting from not people not having options and then also being at home. Sure, yeah. So there's not a lot of games. So like right now, I think if 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 Last of Us wasn't about the post apocalypse and um, sure. Like viruses killing people, <laughs> and and, and there might be something to that too. Like, I mean, I think more so. I, I think that's totally possible. I mean, it's it's possible that someone in HR or you know someone in in the corporate office was like, "Hey, this is not cool. We have to, you know, we don't we don't want bad PR." Their PR yeah, people I could are see like a salacious uh, news news segment where yeah. they're like, "Oh, this company is capitalizing on the virus." Yeah, blah, blah, blah. and they're trying to scare people that are afraid of their for their life or something. It it, told, it you know what would happen? Somebody would do it. Yeah. Uh, but also don't forget that last of us two was tacking on some sort of multiplayer that they said wouldn't be ready right away. So I almost wonder if they push it back to October, if they could have it ready in time. I, Did I you just ever played the, the multiplayer for the first game. I played a lot of last of us multiplayer actually. Okay. Yeah. Me, me, Josh, Austin, and Jared played a lot of it. And 
so there's a mode. It's actually really funny. Uh, <laughs> this is a terrible story, but uh, so um, we used to play it multiplayer, and there was a mode where if you had your P your PlayStation account connected to like your Facebook account, it was like a it was almost like a survivor mode where you had to go into these rounds and you had to find supplies on the ground, and if you picked them up, you would split the supplies at the end with your teammates, and then you'd go back to like your town, which it was a menu, it wasn't a physical representation, and it would say something like, "Oh, you gathered fifty supplies." And you had a village that was like you had to get supplies for. And it would import names from your Facebook friends into your village. Okay. So it would say things like, oh, dryer combo is, you know, is hunting zombies or whatever, you know. And like, uh, even if you weren't playing the game. Yeah, even if you weren't playing the game, it would just import randomly. And so I have a friend okay, who's that's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. I, I and and this is the bad part of the story. So I and I have a friend who is pretty overweight. And one time I was just playing the game and like the scroll thing came through and it just said, your friend is exercising. <laughs> it just made me crack up because I hate to admit there was like zero chance that he was exercising. And if we had a zombie apocalypse, he'd be one of the first to go probably. <laughs> so, but hey, that's really mean and rude. That's, you know, but that's just it's, the story of me at the time. Like I feel bad about it now. It's not funny, but it. Whatever. It's fine. Josh Nyes can lose a few pounds. Yeah, nah, he's. <laughs> I think I'm like Bad two. Bastard. I think I'm, I think I'm like two of him. I think I'm like two of him. Um, yeah, I'm probably three of him actually. Um, anyway, uh, so we'll get into it. So we've got a bunch of stories to talk about today. We have three stories. Um, the first one is uh, we're gonna talk a little about this issue with Cooking Mama. Uh, then we're gonna talk about. The DualShock 5 controller was officially announced. It's not called the DualShock 5. It's called the DualSense. So it's a whole new name, whole new controller for the whole new PlayStation 5 system. And then we're going to finish up with an oldie but a goodie. We're going to be talking about the Atari VCS, the Atari box, if anyone remembers my stories from that from, from years ago now. And, uh, hey, sh shocker, John, it's in trouble again. <laughs> we got uh, yeah. We got more news. We got more news. Flabbergasted. I know that that is catching you completely by surprise. Yeah, um, this is my surprise face. That that is that is your very surprised face. So, did uh, you kickstart that thing? Hell no. Hell okay, to the good. no. All right. <laughs> hell, hell to the no. Um, but all right. You do so, own a Ouya though. <laughs> I did kickstart Ouya, which, to be fair, the Ouya did exactly what it said it was going to do. I just didn't realize I didn't want that until I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, this thing sucks. But I did buy it. I did kickstart it. I got the and for some reason the Kickstarter special edition was this like poop brown color. This like bronze poopy brown. Like, I want the silver one, man. And the silver one you could buy for retail at Target, but no, not this guy. I got poopy brown. You still have that thing? I sold it at the store. I brought it in and sold it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was and it was funny because someone saw it and was like, I never thought I'd see one of these. I'm like, here you go, pal. Enjoy yeah, we, it. we had those at GameStop for like fifty bucks pre-owned, and you you couldn't get rid of them. Yeah, and and they they sunk for a while down to like thirty, but I think when I <laughs> sold it, it had crept back up to fifty. I think, but I think I had two controllers too, so an Ouya and two controllers for fifty bucks. I mean, that's a steal. And I really should have kept that thing probably, just for like nostalgia purposes. Like in thirty years, someone's gonna be like, "What the hell was the Ouya?" Like, hey, I got one of those. Was your name engraved on that thing? Or I like didn't. Anything like I didn't that? pay. I didn't pay for that feature. That was like okay. an extra tier up that I didn't pay for. But yes, you could kickstart a, a level where they would engrave your name on the controller, and I think on the console too. But yeah, I remember it being on the console. But thankfully, I did not do that. In fact, I thought right. I did, and then when I got it, and it wasn't on there, 
I complained and they said, you're an idiot. You didn't pay at that level. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was a whole ordeal. So I was actually, and I was actually wrong. So I had to, I had to give them that. So uh, with that being said, though, we are going to uh, kick into gear here, John, with our first story um, about cooking mamas. So <clears throat> here we go. Without further ado, here we go. So first up on the podcast today, we've got some cooking mama drama. John, <laughs> I said it. You wanted me to say it. I said it. You're welcome. Yes. But we have some cooking mama drama. So cooking mama What's the name of this one? Cooking Mama Cookstar. Cookstar, which which really is a weird word. <laughs> it's it's really a weird word. So Cooking Mama Cookstar was supposed to come out for the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch. In fact, it did come out for the Nintendo Switch briefly on the eShop. Then it disappeared. And then the physical copies trickled into some stores. They're now seemingly sold out, and the game is about to skyrocket into the stratosphere as almost stadium-level event levels of quantity out in the <laughs> universe. Now, it's never going to be worth that much, uh, and no. I joke and I joke about the stadium events. But let's get into this a little bit. So the whole thing kind of started. IGN did a really interesting interview. So Joe Screbbles uh, on IGN had this really interesting article about Cooking Mama, the game for Switch that came out and then disappeared. Uh, and so... He, he goes on to talk about the the trailer point to a Nintendo eShop version of the game, but if you search for the version at the time of this writing in US or Europe, the eShop returns no results, not even a coming soon page. Even stranger, the game was released on the US eShop last week, but only for a few hours before being unceremoniously pulled from sale and its listing scrubbed from Nintendo's digital store entirely. Physical copies of Cookstar are a different story. According to some very pleased-slash-confused Redditors, Copies have quietly appeared in select U.S. outlets of Target. Amazon, you can only get it from third-party sellers. And Walmart uh, also had some online. Jordan got one, actually, from DropRate. Jordan got one. Okay. And he's going to be popping it in and playing it <laughs> because, of course, he is. Um, in Europe, the game is seemingly impossible to get a hold of right now and is listed by several retailers for a release later this month but none of them seem to agree about when. Don't even get me started on the apparent PS4 version of the game, which is listed for sale across the internet, but hasn't been outwardly mentioned by any official source around launch. Cooking Mama Cookstar is in essence Schrodinger's video game, seemingly existing and non-existing simultaneously, with neither state particularly easy to prove. Um, okay, so that was kind of what started the story. That's what kicked it off. And so I read about that and I was like, oh, that's weird. And I'm going through and, and you know, you're like, oh, it, you know, something must be going on with it, whether it's it could be COVID-19 distribution chains are messed up or or it wasn't supposed to come out or maybe it's broken. Like there's a game breaking bug or something that damages something on the cartridge itself. Yeah. But and I'm going to pass it to you, John, because I want you to talk a little bit about then what the next step of this story was. So then as this is all kind of unfolding. I saw an interesting post on Twitter, which I'm going to bring up here. But, John, you can go ahead and kind of talk about it. So, back when the game was originally announced, back in 2019, the uh, the publisher, Planet Games, put out a press release saying that the game is touted as being the first game to integrate blockchain technology on major consoles. Mm -hmm. And blockchain is what people use to mine bitcoins online. And so they put out this long press release 
and it it was like how how is cooking mama gonna benefit from the internet at all let alone <laughs> right. blockchain blockchain technology. technology in a cooking mama game instantly raises red flags you're like yeah that makes zero sense but yeah yeah because because every cooking mama game prior to this game has been a single player affair on the 3ds or the ds it's not like you're connecting to the internet and doing anything yes <laughs> but yeah so so then I came across this tweet, which was a picture from a Discord server. And uh, so the user says, this is urgent. Apparently, if you own Cooking Mama Cookstar, uninstall it immediately. It's using your system to mine cryptocurrency and potentially handing your personal info as well as CyberShroom for the heads up. Or excuse me, in, uh, handling your personal info as well. Credit to CyberShroom for the heads up. So then the next reply underneath that is the company. Okay, I'll, I'll try to bear with me here because this is like one of those. Um, this is like uh, like those 4chan posts. So uh, okay. it's like bullet points. So the company that published it is owned by the surviving Coke brother. <laughs> the actual owners of Cooking Mama don't know anything about it. It's the S word, but I, you know, we was PG on this podcast. The press release describes it as having blockchain-based DRM. The headquarters of the publisher is a house in Connecticut. <laughs> if you got your hands on it, it won't launch unless you're online. And switch network traffic skyrockets, battery life craters, and the thing overheats in about half an hour. So that's what they shared on this Discord server. This was like, whoa. And so you read this and you go, this is crazy. Like, like this is... This is like a nuts story. Like there's literally a Cooking Mama game, a, a Switch retail game that came out, a big name game too. I mean, I think arguably Cooking Mama is a big franchise. I mean, big enough. And it comes out with some blockchain cryptocurrency mining, you know, bug in it. And it's using people's switches to mine cryptocurrency. Uh, so you read that and you're like, oh, that's crazy. The story got nuts. But as oftentimes it happens... You have to wait a little bit longer for the rest of the story to come out because this is nowhere near the truth. <laughs> this right. is not even close. Obviously, someone took the information like you mentioned, the press release where they talk about, you know, uh, blockchain. So they took that. They took the idea of the system overheating or that the battery drains really quickly. And they took all these facts, which I mean, they are facts, so I won't quote them, but they took all these facts and somehow came up with this ridiculous scenario of what all those facts mean. So thankfully, other people out there are doing the good work and doing the diligent work to actually figure out what is going on. So then the now, next... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I would say, I don't know that we necessarily ha are at the bottom of it, though, because the company is not talking really at all. So it's it's hard to say until... So you're talking, about plan and... you're talking about Planet Entertainment. So Right, and then yeah. the, um, the, the IP owner of the the mama franchise like they're not really talking but people are talking to people from the developer supposedly well right and so we really don't know all the details yet all we can go on is what we have as of this moment um but that brings up a great point so as far as we know the developer behind this game is a company called performance one or p1 they go by possibly possibly we don't even know that right this is this is what we're what we're understanding of the situation as of right now. The publisher is called 
Planet Entertainment. Is that right? You're with you still with yes. me on this? Okay. I think I think they're just called Planet. Planet. On the okay. box it just says Planet. Let me check the back of the box. Because John, of course, has uh, one. <laughs> of course. He of course got one. Uh, actually, it does. Okay, so on the back of the box it says developed by First Playable Productions. First Playable Productions. Okay, so we do have a developer. Yeah, one ST Playable Productions, and then. Copyright 2019 Planet Entertainment. Okay, so Planet Entertainment is the publisher. Uh, the uh, so it's right in the box. I'm glad because the article actually says that it like like the IGN article makes note that there's no information about a developer, so that's incorrect. Well, they, they probably can't get their hands on a copy, so. <laughs> <Not> an actual <laughs> or copy. Didn't try. Um. So. As we go on here, uh, Screen Rant was contacted by a member of the Cooking Mama Cookstar development team who wanted to speak about the current controversy surrounding the game. The developer who wishes to re- remain anonymous dismissed the rumors of cryptocurrency mining. Now, again, we have to take this with a pretty big grain of salt because I don't know if Screen Rant was able to verify that this person actually works there. Like, I don't know how diligent they were about it. I mean, game journalists are, are anybody who can report a story now. They don't have not many sites don't go through like journalistic standards, right? So it's certainly possible that someone contacted them to troll them and they don't know it. It's just certainly possible. So, but we'll take this as assuming that they did their legwork screen rants, not like a small time deal. So it's certainly possible that, that they did it. So I have it up here. These were the quotes of the apparent developer who worked on this game. Quote, the statement about cryptocurrency was all buzzwords. The head of Planet Entertainment knows very little about these things. He just put some fancy language to get potential investors who like that stuff. (laughs) So first of all, I got to stop there. So this developer is saying that the head of Planet Entertainment doesn't know anything about blockchain or cryptocurrency. He just was looking for investors and said, hey, our game has blockchain. (laughs) And a bunch of investors were like, ooh, and then they gave him money, apparently. I mean, this is hilarious to me that he just admits. I'm willing I'm willing to believe that because the other games that they've released have all been pretty terrible, uh, like uh, hunting and fishing games on the the Switch that were just uh, ports from like the Wii and the Xbox 360 mm. that of of other people's games that I think the the license drifted from like um Activision or whoever owned like the Cabela's license and the the Rapala license and they basically just picked those games up and released them again. Sure, sure. Uh and so they go on to say as for the crashes slash overheating, that would be because the game is made in Unity by many people working on their first game. It's not the best product, but it made it through several vigorous reviews by Nintendo and Sony. There is no way crypto mining stuff could get through those tests. I doubt anyone at 1P would even be able to make such a thing. End quote. So first, so let's, <laughs> let's break this down a little bit. So first of all, uh, it's because the game is made in Unity. That's BS. A lot of great games are made in Unity. I've personally used Unity. It's an excellent engine. So if, the next sentence makes a lot more sense by many people working on their first game. Okay, that makes more sense than trying to argue that it's because the game's made in Unity. And in fact, Unity's a very, very developer-friendly engine. So there's a ton of tutorials out there. Like, like there's no way it's Unity's fault. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, 
Yeah, I was thinking just poor optimization by the developer. And that makes total sense. But again, if it passed certification from Nintendo, I mean, that's that, that's there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make it through or updates or stuff like that. So it's just, I don't know, it's such a strange like thing to blame it on. So And who knows, maybe he wasn't even blaming on Unity. Maybe he was basically just saying it's not, you know, it's not that it's unity's fault just that it's a bunch of people using unity for the first time or something like that so so anyway um uh it goes on to say though what the actual reason that this developer goes on to say what the actual reason for the game being pulled was quote there is a legal battle between the publisher planet entertainment and the ip holder office create so office create is a japanese company that has that made the other cooking mama games and apparently just sold the license for someone else to make it so they could just make some money. According to the developer, this is because Planet Entertainment released the game against a request by Office Create to keep polishing the game or perhaps even canceling it. End quote. There was clearly a lack of communication between the publisher and the development team as our sources described the kind of behavior as, quote, pretty standard. He goes on to say, quote, at one point, the Japanese official Create clients came to oversee development an argument started and the clients were told to go home if they weren't being constructive once they found out <laughs> that planet entertainment released the game they used their nintendo contacts to pull it from the eShop and stop production of cartridges overall everyone at 1p loves the cooking mama franchise and did their best to make the best product considering the interference from the higher-ups I think the game is far from perfect, but would have done fine without the publishers stumbling so constantly. End quote. So let's unpack that a little bit. So apparently Office Create was like, we don't, this is not good. You either got to fix these crappy bugs, you got to stop switches from overheating, or you don't release it. And then that was probably the end of that meeting. And then Plan Entertainment was like, hey, it passed certification, let's kick it out without a yeah. final confirmation from the IP holder. Now, again, this is a, a developer who we can't verify this story, but it does seem like something that's possible to me. I would assume Office Create, which had a line of successful games on the Wii, the DS, and the 3DS, would be able to know, would know someone at Nintendo that could say, hey, we're having a copyright dispute with our publisher. You need to pull the game until it gets resolved. I, I, I could totally see that. Like, that that seems, like, pretty realistic to me. Yeah. Um. So then it goes on to say, the article, when asked about whether the game was released without letting the team know ahead of time, the developer relied, it's hard to say. We were told the game was coming out in March. That's all anyone knew. The boss at 1P, <laughs> Toby, that Toby, keeps that kind of thing to herself mostly, stating she doesn't want to stress us with the details. <laughs> Advertising was blocked by Office Create too. There were YouTube ads, websites, and even TikTok ads that never came out. The future of Cooking Mama Cookstar remains uncertain as the developer ended by saying, as I understand, Planet Entertainment is suing Office Create, having it removed for money lost. It's hard to say if it will ever be released properly. <laughs> so... I have to also say quickly, I don't think it's good practice for the head, the boss at a development studio to keep things to herself and not stress out her team with the details. 
That just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. And I'm not saying that. Yeah, come on, Toby. Although I'm not saying that the development team, like like the an environmental artist or something, needs to know all the business dealings. But it seems like a pretty small company, so it seems like you'd want to have a pretty tight team there. So it just seems weird to me. I, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's essentially the story. So as we know it right now, Cooking Mama came out, got pulled. People thought it was cryptocurrency mining. It wasn't. And oftentimes that's like the same stuff you heard too with the um with like the Epic Store and you hear that all the time with like, oh, they're you know, they're part of a Chinese cryptocurrency mining, yada yada. Oh, it's spyware <laughs> installed, all this other stuff. So that was proven false. Well, I mean, it's explained to be false by one person who said they worked on the game, which I would assume provided proof. Um, and then we have the actual description, which seems a lot more realistic, I think, in the world we live in, is that there's an issue between developer, publisher, and IP holder, and that that is essentially holding up everything. That seems to make more I sense to me. I kind of wonder if they kicked it out the door to put some cash in their coffers, because especially with like the current uh, like crap going on, there's probably not a lot of money coming in anywhere anyway, and so the way that these things are getting out, like, yeah, a couple of them made it into target stores supposedly, but I bought mine off Amazon. Uh, and they, they had an official Amazon seller that was like mama's like cooking mama's store. Okay. And it was, it was like listed on the store. It was like your official source for cooking mama cook star on, on Amazon. And they were the only one selling them at first. And then there was also some eBay, um stores as well so like i heard that the ebay store sold about 800 copies and then i got mine for 40 um i i texted you the article like the day after i had purchased mine okay and then immediately they started uh once that ign article showed up they started raising in price so the cheapest you could get it like a couple days ago was for 50 bucks and then there's also somebody on on Amazon trying to sell it for 80. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if it's the company just being like, let's just sell it, even though we're not supposed to, to get ourselves sure. by on, for, for the next couple months. Because well, yeah. if, if there are 2,000 copies out there that are sold, that's still not that much money. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That No, that's a really, really good point. And obviously... And I don't know how that works, too. Like, if a game got pulled, Nintendo might not send out any money for digital copies it sold either. That might be sitting in, like, a, a coffer somewhere, basically waiting for whatever court decision's gonna going to decide the fate of this whole thing. Um, right. But, yeah, so I went out and I bought the game as well, and I was looking online, and a lot of people wanted 60 to 80 bucks for it. And I found a seller in Minnesota selling it new for 40 bucks, and okay, they had nice. 80 copies. So I don't I don't know how that works. Uh, I don't so now have 30 copies because you bought. 50. Oh, I only bought one. I only bought one. I'm okay. not I'm not playing that long game anymore. I, I just I just bought one. But the one I bought. It it had a picture with the ESRB logo on it because there are people selling like the the 
like the East Asia version, which would be like an okay. English, like the like the Korean version. And there were people selling a few versions of the PAL version. I did see those out as well. So I'm hoping, because they used the picture with the ESRB logo, I'm hoping that's the one I get. But it's totally possible okay. I'm going to get a different version. Not that those aren't rare as well. I mean, if it gets pulled everywhere, it's going to be rare everywhere. But yeah. um, Did you get it off Amazon or eBay? I got off eBay. And, okay. and I paid retail. I paid MSRP on it. I paid 40 bucks for it. So, wait, I think that's MSRP, isn't it? Or is it 30? Uh, yeah, I, believe I think so, 40 yeah. was right, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I paid I paid retail on it which I'm more than happy with. And if it shows up and it's not that version, the U S version, I'll just send it back. It's not a big deal. But when I looked at it, they had like 80 copies and like 70 had sold in the last hour. So other people were jumping on it as well. And so uh, if it is the U S version, I'm going to, that guy should feel very terrible because he's probably sold his whole stock and was like, heck yeah, I just, I just sold 80 copies of a game. And if he had waited, you know, a few like a month or two he probably would have got double that for all the copies but i mean have you checked is he uh, out of stock yet i haven't looked i haven't looked i mean i assume so because when i got it i think he was down to 10 copies when i got mine and that was a couple days ago but again they could settle this and then they'll flood the market with copies again it'll be all over you know like it's totally possible um that that'll happen i mean you know and and reprints happen all the time once they get through an ordeal not that this game had that issue but like games like devil's third you know, that was really rare, but they were able to come up with like another printing of that game uh, just to, you know, because they knew obviously the demand was there, even though the demand was created by the lack of product and then the <laughs> product filled the demand and then killed the price. Yeah, you know, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. This this like now new game rarity thing is just so strange. It worked really, really well, though, because I don't think you or I would have ever bought this game. If this nope. wouldn't have happened. No, nope. they got a sale uh, on me. Well. And actually, I shouldn't say that. I liked the first Cooking Mama on Wii. I thought it was fun. I, I can't say I was ever planning on like playing all the way through it or anything, but I remember playing it on the Wii and thinking it was really neat. I used the Wii remote to crack eggs and all this other stuff. But, Do you eh. own it? Uh, Well, I don't think so. <laughs> I think the only other Mama I do. series game I do. I... Oh, you I do, do own, own it. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, that's surprising because your, your collection is more oh, yeah. cream of the crop than it is. Oh, yeah everything um <laughs> but the only other mama game i own i did not pay anywhere near retail for mm. and i'm very proud to say it is still sealed um but uh, i have a sealed copy of uh babysitting mama with the <laughs> stuffed baby <laughs> we accessory that we always that get... I got for five bucks off tar- at target so people always bring that game in used and the baby oh, never oh. has the diaper on why does the baby never have a diaper on? I don't get it. What happens to the diaper, John? Tell me. Well, now remember, now Cooking Mom is not to be confused with the other franchise, the other hit franchise for we Science Papa, <laughs> which is a real game. <laughs> not even joking about it. Science Papa. You don't have Science Papa. Do you? I do not have Science Papa in my collection. Okay. So, but yeah, I definitely want to follow up with this. So, as this, as we hear more about this, obviously, we'll probably cover it. I'm sure in the future there'll be some sort of lawsuit announced or some sort of deal made where this game will come out because I understand that Office Create doesn't want a bad game to come out to damage their reputation, and that's a legitimate thing. Like, if you sell your IP to somebody, there's a certain standard you ask them to uphold. Obviously, yeah. Planet Entertainment promised in some sort of documentation i'm sure guaranteed in writing that a certain quality would be upheld clearly office create and planet were not on the same page with what that level of quality was now planet seems to be a pretty small operation too so they probably didn't have a bunch of money to be waiting around they probably needed the game to get out they were probably way over budget and it was you know 
I don't know. I don't know how it all works with that company specifically, but it needed to come out and yikes, you know, and, and I hope obviously for everyone's sake, I hope that, that P1 is a studio that gets more experience under their belt and gets to make more games. Cause it's not fair for them. If they were thrown into a situation like this, it's not their fault. I mean, you know, it's the team that planet put together. And if planet made a deal to put a triple a game into development, and then they hire a bunch of rookies that don't know what they're doing to save money. That's not, that's, that's planet's fault. That's not P one's fault, the developer. So, but yeah, so that's the story as it is right now. We will follow up with this story definitely whenever some news comes out whether it's if it's coming out or if it's uh, or if the lawsuit's coming i if if i had photoshop skills i would totally make a uh, like baby mama drama update like mm. cnn looking logo and then you'd have to get your uh, the guy that does the awesome theme song for your podcast to make like a little stinger theme. nice <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you the thumbnail for this clip is going to be cooking mama drama and then a big question mark it's going to be like all big and bubble and it's gonna have like the cook like cookie mama's face and she's gonna be like and it's gonna be it's gonna be good it's gonna be my <laughs> are you finest. actually decent at photoshop yeah i'm decent jenny's incredible yeah. at it i'm, I'm decent i'm oh, okay yeah, I, I can make things work i mean you, you know you can see my thumbnails i can make it work um yeah. but anyway so all right so let me get uh let me get this closed out so that I can get to our next story, which is going to be the PlayStation controller. All right. I know you're really excited about this, so I'm going to pass it to you first. So I'm going to kind of light it up and just explain that they announced it. I have the picture up and then I'm going to toss it to you and, and get your thoughts. Um, so we're going to queue it up. And we're going to go. You ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. So next up on the podcast today, John, like I said, we're going to be talking about the officially announced playstation 5 controller no it's not the dualshock 5 no no that's too old that's old and busted no one cares about the dualshock anymore this is called the dual sense the dual sense controller for the playstation 5 uh i know we talked about this a little bit when it first came out but i want to know and i want you to share with everyone here gut reaction first thing when you saw the picture where were you at uh well, I have a lot of thoughts on that controller um, and really just what the PlayStation 5 is going to be based on what they showed from that controller. So I like it. I Visually, I thought it looked really cool. Um, I like the two-tone look um, color-wise. Um, I think that they went with, like, the white looks really glossy and very sharp. And so, like, I'm imagining, like, that in, like, red and blue and like other colors, I think will really make it sure. a unique looking controller. Um, and then I like that they they removed the light bar from the top, um, and then added to the sides. I think that looks really neat. Um, I was surprised that they didn't show the back of the controller because my theory was they just released that attachment for thirty bucks for the PS4 controllers, where it gave you two additional programmable. Uh, bumpers right right and i i thought for sure they were just gonna that was basically gonna be them getting a couple bucks out of the ps4 guys still but then putting that technology onto the ps5 controller from the start and we really don't know if that's there because they showed the sides of the controller and they showed the front but they did not show the back at all they didn't show the Uh, back and they didn't show the bottom and so the bottom, yeah. essentially where the headphone jack goes in. I mean, I'm going to assume that's pretty standard, that it's going to be your standard headphone jack, but we don't know. So, but that is, uh, 
That is correct. They did not show the back. And I thought the same thing. I thought that the new controller was going to have like extra buttons back there. And that that attachment that they sold a few months ago, that was going to be a way to convert PS4 controllers to PS5. Like you were going to be able to use your old controllers by adding a button attachment or something, which is certainly possible that it's still there. We don't know. They haven't shown that yet. But in the mock-ups we have here, uh, it's not visible, sadly. So what did uh, what did you think when you saw it? And what were like some of the things you liked and disliked about it? Sure. So I brought up the picture here of the first picture I saw, which is the front view. I'm going to be honest. First, first viewing, I did not like it. So I actually differ from you quite a bit. I do not like the two-tone look at all. Okay. Um, I, I hate it. I'm, I'm like, same thing with my cars. <laughs> like, with my cars, too. I don't like pinstripes. I don't like alternate colorings. I am a solid color person when it comes to, like, my stuff. Like, if I have a console, I don't even really like special game consoles. I just don't like it. And, again, it doesn't mean anything wrong with it, okay? Don't worry, guys. This pony's still here, right, John? I'm still a pony. But I don't How really like the How many special two-tone. game consoles do you own? <laughs> so... Well, that's not a fair question. No, it's kidding. Um, okay. I, I have uh, I have a lot of PS4s because I have the 20th anniversary PS4. That's the gray one. And then yep. I have the Metal Gear one because it's Metal Gear. And I have the, well, I had the Dragon Quest Slime one, and then I took it to the store and sold it. But that one was cool. Uh, and then, is that all I have? Do you yeah, have the and 500 then I, million one? Uh, no, I didn't like that one. Um, okay. And uh, so I got the 20th anniversary. I got the Metal Gear one. And then I have like, for 3DS, I have the Japanese Snake Eater 3DS because one, it's Metal Gear, okay. but two, it also feels like snake skin, so it's really cool. Um, so I'm not really a two-tone guy. I, I don't really like it. Uh, thankfully, someone on Twitter did a mock-up of what the controller would look like if it was all black. It's awesome. I like it much more. So, But my initial <laughs> gut shot, gut reaction was, Ugh, it's different. However, that's the exact same reaction I had when I saw the PS4 DualShock. I saw it and I was like, what the hell is this? I'm like, it's got like rounded little nub legs. (laughs) Like it was different. You know, that's all it was. It was different. Now that controller puts the PS3 DualShock to shame. I mean, it's, it's the better version of the controller. And when I first held a PS4 controller and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, like when I picked it up, like my hands just went like almost like they were magnetized to it. It just fit perfect in my hands and it just felt good and so as soon as i had a ps4 controller just it just fit like it was a lego piece man it just fit and so i i can't wait to feel this thing i really want to have this in my hands because i hope i get that same feeling um if i don't i'll be disappointed but you i'm pretty sure they're gonna let you use ps4 controllers on the ps5 anyway so as long as you can do that even if it's just to play ps4 games i probably i would probably at least wear my controllers out you know Anyway, um, so that was my gut reaction. Then I saw the second picture. So let me, let me bring up the second picture here. The So I look at the second picture, which is like the side picture. First, and I know they mentioned this in the thing, but first thing I noticed, USB-C for charging, fantastic. Um, from the side, it actually looks very similar to a PS4 controller. Like it actually looks identical to a PS controller, PS4 controller from the side. And so I was like, okay, now I'm starting to feel a little bit more. And, and so I like that look. I like the all black. So initially I was a little like, whoa, a little taken aback. Now though, not so much. Like now I feel pretty good about it. Uh, but again, I have to feel it because until I actually have it in my hand, I just won't, I just won't know. And so I'm, I'm hoping that it fits because I do, like I prefer the DualShock 4, but I also like the Xbox One controller just fine. Um, in fact, yeah. I like the triggers better on the Xbox One controller. And, uh, and I don't care, like to me analogs 
uh, at the same altitude or, you know, at the same location or, or offset analogs, like it doesn't bother me. I, I don't know. You know, it, it, it doesn't bother me either way. Cause I play the offset analog with my switch pro controller. And then I play with the PS4, um, you know, lined up analogs. I don't know to me, I know to Xbox guys, like it's impossible for them to go to it, which I understand, but for me, it's not a big deal. Um, have you, have you messed around with the Astro C40 controller at all? I have not. That controller, like if there was one thing I wish that both Xbox and PlayStation would have grabbed from the third party guys is the modular design of the D pad and the, uh, the joysticks on that C40 controller. Cause you can just pull them out. You just use a screwdriver you move this little piece, you can pull out the D-pad, you can pull out the analog yeah. sticks, and you can swap them around, which also means that if you get a data analog stick on that C40 controller, you yeah. can just buy that analog stick yeah, and that's a great put it point. in your controller and it's still good to go. Yeah, that's so, a great idea, and I, I wish they would do that too because then you could fully customize if you wanted to play with offset analogs or lined-up analogs. Yeah, yeah I, I wish that that C40 controller was was a little bit better priced because it's a really cool idea like they astro makes some cool products i just wish they were a little bit more in the stratosphere price wise yeah i i I totally get you there and i i would say i would say that would have been awesome i i can see why they don't do it but i i love the idea of taking out your analog sticks if you get a drifting stick and you could pop it out and just buy a new replacement stick for 10 bucks i mean that'd be awesome and again you know yeah that that just makes sense to me now that was our first take on the visuals. So let's talk a little bit about what they talked about as far as features. So, well, this, let me, let me first say, this is Jim Ryan, president and CEO of Sony interactive entertainment. This is his quote, quote, dual sense marks a radical departure from our previous controller offerings and captures just how strongly we feel about making a generational leap with the PS five, the new controller, along with many innovative features in PS five will be transformative for games continuing our mission at PlayStation to push the boundaries of play now and in the future to the PlayStation community. I truly want to thank you for sharing this exciting journey with us as we head towards PS5's launch in holiday of 2020. We look forward to sharing more information about PS5, including the console design in the coming months. End quote. So this is this was the release on the official PlayStation blog. And so they talk a little bit, I'm trying to find them in the article here because they talk a little bit about some of the features. Um, let's see where it is here. Um, so one of the big ones is that they've incorporated adaptive triggers into L2 and R2 of the dual sense so that you can truly feel the tension of your actions. Like when drawing a bow to shoot an arrow. So when they say adaptive triggers, are they talking about that's basically like force feedback? Is that like what, is that what I'm understanding when I, when I read something like that? I mean, my initial impression of their talk about like the enhanced rumble really made me think of what the switch did and what the xbox one did at launch um so i kind of feel like it's just going to be more tactile and uh better utilized rumble features but like when they when you mentioned like that you'd feel like the pressure of pulling back or drawing a bow it's like are they actually going to have like, are they going to push back on your, on your analog stick as you're or not analog stick as, on your, your trigger as you're pulling it and give you like tension on it? That that's what it sounds like. That sounds like what the adaptive 
triggers are are designed to do, which ultimately, I don't think they would actually push back. I think it's just haptic feedback that makes you feel like it's pushing back. If that yeah. makes sense, you know, um, that's one of the neatest things about. I don't have it anymore, but on my last iPhone was like the the home button was haptic. So like when the phone's off, you pr- there's no button to push. But when you have it on and you press the home button, it feels like you're pushing a button because it rumbles in such a way that it tricks you into thinking you pushed a button. And so, yeah. you know, it's it's whatever. It's it's whatever. It's a neat feature. But yeah. I don't I wouldn't like like if they put that in and then took out something else I loved. It's like, no, no, put something else I love back. in. Like, I don't I don't really care about the feature. You know, I think developers will use it in creative ways, but I don't really care about it. You know, this uh, to me, this them getting on the like adaptive rumble thing makes me think that it's going to be more universally used by other developers because Xbox did this, like I said, back in launch in like 2015 uh, and like Forza used it and a couple other games used it. And it was really cool, especially for like when you're driving in like dirt and Forza Horizon 2 and stuff and you you felt like you were actually driving through mud, but then no third party game bothered with it because not all the consoles utilized it. Now that all the consoles have more enhanced features as far as that feedback sure. goes i think we'll get like the call of duties utilizing it and like um the like madden where you sure. feel like the tackles are hitting harder and whatnot. so what you're saying is that because playstation wasn't doing it development teams weren't gonna spend the man hours to develop a feature that would only be featured on one console basically right so now you're saying since both will have it you're going to see more developers use it because it's going to go into both games. That makes that's yeah. a lot that makes a lot of sense, man. I'm totally with you on that. Um so the article goes on to say um I really like this a lot because I I wrote a really cheeky tweet a few months back when they were talking about something with it about how the battery life cuz they talked about something they were adding something to the controller and I said, "Cool, uh, in up in other news, the battery's now been reduced to 15 minutes of total playtime." <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh excellent. Uh, however, it, they go on to say uh, a few things. The designers were then able to draw the lines of how the exterior of the controller would look and feel with the challenge of making the controller feel smaller than it really looks. In the end, we changed the angle of the hand triggers and also made some subtle updates to the grip. We also took thoughtful consideration into ways to maintain a strong battery life for dual senses rechargeable battery and to lessen the weight of the controller as much as possible as new features were added. So John, somehow they're adding new features, taking weight out of it and increasing battery life, but also taking weight out of it. So I'm, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how these things are all possible at the same time. Um, they go on to say, you'll notice that there's no longer a share button as we had with the DualShock 4, but it's not going away. In fact, they've built upon the success of our industry-first share button to bring you a new quote-unquote create button. With create, we're once again pioneering new ways for players to create epic gameplay content to share with the world or just to enjoy for themselves. So they still have a share button. They just changed it from the word share to, I don't know, three lines that look like a rising sun. What the what the hell is the yeah. symbol? <laughs> Jazz hands. <laughs> it's just like... It's whatever. I don't know. I just see that and I go, it's just it's just three things. And then uh, there is no start button anymore, which technically was options before. It's not options, John. It's hamburger. Hamburger button. It's hamburger. 
<laughs> which I think the uh, doesn't the Xbox One use hamburger and I don't know picture in picture whatever the hell that other yeah it's like two hamburger squares. button and then it's um <laughs> the other one is supposed to mean like uh, change view or like camera change um, which most games do use it as camera change button oh gotcha. but yeah the the Xbox is a hamburger but or <laughs> does look like a hamburger and my buddy Kevin actually he tweeted at one of the Microsoft guys. And he got the Microsoft guy to tweet back, like talking about it as hamburger button. Because he's like, yeah, I guess it does kind of look like a hamburger. It's like, well, and that's what it's been known as in web design forever. And like in other design, oh, really? that's that's what the three lines are re- referenced as, like the hamburger. And so okay. when they put it on the controller, I, I don't know. Um, so anyway, that's just sort of the basic features that they included so i'm gonna run down the things i love and the things i don't love because that's actually what you asked me to talk about so all right i got thoughts on that too so so, take it back to me first up we'll do uh first up uh, i also like the light bar on the sides of the touchpad i think it's really cool looking but i don't care about the light bar at all Uh, i also think the light bar (laughs) is going to come out the back because i know we talked a little bit about this because normally the light bar is a big window on the top but here in the picture it shows blue light on the sides but not on the back so if you're going to use this for tracking in VR, which maybe they won't, but I thought that if it's going to be playing PS4 games on a PS5 controller and you're playing in VR, you'd you'd want it to. I think the blue light will actually go on the back as well. Maybe it just wasn't here for this mock-up or something. Um, but anyway, I love the, the see-through D-pad and buttons. I think that's a really cool design aesthetic. I, I really like it. I love that it's USB-C. I hate the triggers. <laughs> I still hate the triggers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Someone on Twitter said it best was that the PS5, or the, the DualSense will keep the PS4's controller's best feature, as in will fast forward your movie every single time you set it down. Because whenever <laughs> you put the PlayStation controller down, it fast forwards in Netflix or whatever you're watching because the buttons are so sensitive that as soon I saw as... I that tweet as well. Yeah, it was just excellent. <laughs> um, so I, I don't love the triggers, or I should say maybe they're a little different now, but... Um, I love the idea of extended battery life. Um, and I like the the PlayStation button now being the PlayStation symbol instead of a circle with the PlayStation symbol in it. I mean, it's just, it's kind of a neat touch. Um, and then lastly, the thing I want to say about it is that it's kind of weird looking. Uh, and it looks <laughs> it looks halfway between an Xbox One and a PS4 DualShock. It, it, to me, it really does. But if you look at it, really the the biggest difference in this controller is... If you look on a PS4 controller, like I've got one here, the big thing is if you look at the analog sticks, there's like a half a circle underneath the analog sticks where there's no plastic. Mm. Basically, the this dual sense just takes a straight line across the bottom of the controller and just makes it so that it's a straight line as opposed to having the notches for the analog sticks. So I don't know. It's fine to me. I, I got no problem with that. Again, I have to wait till I actually hold it to see how it's all going to you know, shake out. But all in all, I'm okay with it. The, the question I have, and then I'll send it back to you, is is the system, do you think the system's going to be, after you tell me your thoughts on the controller, answer my question, do you think the system's going to be white out of the box? Um, that was definitely my thought. Like, uh, I wouldn't have thought at all that we would get a white system at launch until they showed this controller. Um, and cause I don't think that they would do two skews right from the bat or off the bat. It's not really a Sony thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's not really their yeah. way. Yeah. I do think that, that eventually they'll have a wide, huge range of 
obviously different special edition consoles and stuff. But yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have expected a white system. But now that we see this controller, I do think that it's probably going to be some sort of two-toned white-black combo. And I'm kind of like, I'm more excited to see the PlayStation 5 control or console now than I was a week ago. Sure. Like, I would have been like, eh, whatever. Um, and, and I think I'm more excited about the PlayStation 5 visual design than I am the Xbox One because the Xbox One is just an obelisk. And you're I'm excited the, to see collect. You're talking about the Series or X? the Xbox One X. Yeah. The Series X, yeah. Or... It's okay. <laughs> God, Microsoft sucks at naming things. <laughs> but yeah, it's the Series X, um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the Series X, I like, it's an, a box I'm excited to have in my house. But realistically, I'm not going to care about what it looks like. I'm excited to see collector's editions of that system. But whatever on the base unit, I'm excited to see what the PlayStation 5 is going to look like. Much more so now that I see the controller. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. And, and they might even be putting the feelers out there with the controller to see how the white aesthetic does with people because i i'm they you know they have the data too they know how well their white system skews sell they know how yeah. well what color what specific system style sells better than other ones so they'll know they have kind of that research already but uh i wonder if this was a feeling out period like hey do you think people like two-tone and they you know you blast it out there uh, on social media and then you say um you know and here you kind of just get the general gauge from it so there is there's one more thing i want to say about this but first i want to go back to you and let you do kind of your list of likes and dislikes on the controller and i want to finish up with with my comment about why i thought this reveal worked really well so when you're done with your plus and minuses kick it back to me and we'll 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 finish it up so uh, i would say like if they do do a two-tone console i don't know about you i love the way the death stranding pro looked if i didn't have three playstation pros in my house already I would have really wanted to buy that console. That, like, that, that was a neat one, yeah. Yeah, the the gloss white with the black handprints, I just thought looked awesome. So I, I I almost wonder if Kojima had a part in the designing of the console based on that collector's edition system and now this design of this controller. It's hard um, to say. I mean, the controller gives me serious Avengers armor vibe from the Avengers yeah. time travel suit. But it also to me looks like a PS4 DualShock has armor on the outside. Like someone took like these cheap plastic <laughs> armor plates and slapped them on the side. But anyway, sorry, okay. your 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 pluses and minuses go. So that is the fact that they didn't talk about how long the controller lasts uh battery wise has me a little concerned. Um because it's like if you vastly improve the battery life wouldn't you be willing to boast that in a pre- or in a press release? Because like Nintendo is big on being like, "Hey, our our Switch Pro controller can last like forty to sixty hours on one charge," and this is just like we've improved it. It's like cool. Yeah, how, well, how I mean, when when you're in the toilet, you can only go up from here. So <laughs> I mean, there can the PS4 DualShock is got the worst battery life of any device wireless I've ever seen. It's terrible and it's it's <laughs> god awful. We talked about it last week actually. But yeah, I do so, like that controller though. I I do, I do love I, the controller. I will give Sony props like I I loved the the DualShock 1 cuz it was like the first of its kind, but then PS PS3 I didn't dig that much cuz it it just didn't feel like an evolution. Um PS4, I really felt like they did a really great job of of 
making my needs like of like spacing the analog controllers out or analog sticks out a little bit uh and it just felt better in the hand and they fixed those damn slippery um triggers that were on the ps2 ps3 controllers yeah so they definitely are each each generation i feel like they're doing the right thing and going in the right direction now um so i like that um i wonder if so my thought when i saw that there was no light bar in the front of the controller where the playstation camera would would pick it up i have two thoughts on it either they're backing off of vr um, which could be a possibility because they have the downsizing that Sony has done in the last like couple of years has really been shutting down um, development studios that have predominantly worked on VR games. That is true, but um, but wasn't one of them didn't even have a release? Like there was some. Well, there was like one studio that was basically a support studio that was helping with a bunch of other games, but had never actually released their own product. But but that's a fair point. I actually I will give you that yeah. because they have they have worked on. Like where they're reducing costs is affecting their VR teams for sure. Yeah. yeah. The first party VR, yeah. So I like PlayStation VR a lot. Actually, that's the only VR headset that I have because I'm not a PC guy. Um so I I want PlayStation VR to succeed. And I actually my my PlayStation that's in this lower level of my house right now is literally only for VR. I have every PlayStation VR game loaded up on that console and ready to play. So I want it to succeed. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm hoping that that this is the other case on why there might not be a light bar on the front. Um, I'm I'm hoping and I'm thinking that the lack of the light bar on the front might mean that we get more advanced new VR controllers that are more like the PC VR, uh, like either the. Yeah. Um, the Oculus Go controllers. I don't think we would get anything near what the the Index has with the finger tracking and whatnot. But I I would expect something more along the lines of a, a regular VR controller that sure. that more is more similar to the PC stuff. Because right now we're using basically hand me down uh, clearance garbage from the PS3 right. in those those <laughs> goofy ice cream cone controllers How that they couldn't get rid of. I can't believe that they repurposed those. There's a part of me that I think that's really cool. You know, obviously, yeah. like being able to repurpose an old device that was a complete flop. That's awesome. But, I agree. Eh, the, you know. the fact that they were able to to dust those things off and get them in people's hands again is amazing. Yes. Um, and and I'm glad I bought them when they were super cheap on PS3 before the price went up again we, we had so many before ps4 vr came out of the store we had 20 or 30 we stopped buying them we are completely out man i mean we blew through them and every like every time we'd sell two or three of them the price just kept creeping up because the, it just they were sought after and you couldn't really find them new and the new ones were like ridiculous prices like two packs i think were like 90 bucks at walmart or yeah something, they were so they were 100 yeah. bucks that's wild yeah um, i'm i really want i i I hope that we get a new PlayStation VR headset with better um, better screens inside, uh, capable of 1080p at least, uh, and and hopefully wireless. I'm I'm really hoping that's the case, and I think this controller makes me think we're gonna possibly get some sure. pretty sweet stuff coming up. I, I think I think I like I like where your head's at with 
um, the VR hand controllers, like new new comfort grip controllers. Like I totally agree with you on that. I don't think they're backing away from VR because VR has actually been very successful for them. Uh, I, I could definitely see them doubling down on VR, especially because Microsoft, the Xbox Series X is going to be compatible with some VR. It's It's going to do something, whether they have their own, you know, headset or if they end up making a deal with Oculus or something where you can, you know, buy an adapter and use it on it, the Xbox Series X will not balk at VR again. I re, I don't believe that. I'd be very surprised if if Microsoft does not embrace VR. I thought that with Xbox One X coming out though. Like I thought that that was going to be their solution to VR. Yeah, but you and know, that they were going to be like, "Hey, we've got these Microsoft mixed media headsets on PC yeah. and you're going to be able to plug them into your Xbox One X and do VR." And then they never did. So but, yeah, I don't but know if Microsoft's going to dabble in VR for for the console. It, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a stretch. But I would say, like Spencer's been against VR like this whole generation. Like every time it gets brought up, he's like, "We'll, we'll have VR once VR's like in a better position to be good." You know, that's basically what he's saying. Is he's saying like VR sucks right now, so they won't have <laughs> VR until VR doesn't suck. But I'm with you. I think the PlayStation VR is a really neat starting point for a lot of people. It's it's the most consumer friendly price and and way to get that system to get vr into people's hands it's the most um it's the most uh accessible to the average consumer in my opinion now i had the ps4 vr i sold it because i bought the oculus rift the rift is a huge step up or it was a huge step up from the ps4 i actually ended up selling my rift because i bought the quest which is completely hand like completely wireless it's like it's okay. got the PC built into the, you know, it's got the, the the processor all built into the headset. So you just wear the headset and you can walk around completely wireless. It's amazing, man. Like that's that's what VR needs to be true, truly wireless like that. And I think I paid five hundred dollars for the better version of that one. So it was like four hundred or five hundred. So also okay. still pretty accessible. Like if you had four hundred bucks, that's what it would cost to get a PS4 and a VR headset. It'd be cheaper than that, actually. Right. But if you already have a hundred million people already have PS4s. Those people just have to spend 200 bucks to get VR in their house. That's a good deal. Um, that's that's did a really you, good deal. Did you play Astrobot before you sold your PlayStation? I sold VR? it before Astrobot came out, sadly. Oh, that yeah. game is so fun. Like I, I've heard it's very good. The And those little robots from the, the PlayStation camera demo thing that they launched the PS4 with, I, I was like, these are dumb. Why would you make a game from these guys? And then I played Astrobot, and I was like, this is awesome it's nice it plays like it plays like a great mario platformer um the levels are short but the the level of interactivity where you're you're like i have a great um i have a swivel chair um and sitting in that chair and just being able to spin around and look at the entire environment is just awesome i yeah. i love that game i'm i'm excited for an astrobot too if it ever comes out and i wish they would release a patch that you could play that without vr because it's a great game regardless like you, it's a game that doesn't need to be in vr sure. it's very similar to um the uh what is that that justin roiland game uh that came out oh yeah uh trover saves the universe yeah, yeah. it's very similar to trover uh less swearing though mm, nice well and i i did get to play because we had one at the store i played the Gungrave vr which okay. I'm a huge Gungrave fan and so i had to play it but all that was was it was like a third person action game that had VR that kind of made no sense. Like I don't, I don't it's like some games to me don't work in VR. Uh, Astrobot, my understanding is it works really well as not a yeah. first person game, but like I look at that, like Moss, I guess is really good too. 
you know, in, in, in that regard. But I look at it and I'm like, man, I just don't see why I would play this game in VR when I can just like, I don't know. Like that's just how I am with VR. It's not a yeah. dig on VR, just my preference. But, um, so, okay. So the last thing I want to say about the PS five controller announcement, the dual sense is, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this because oftentimes on this podcast, I know John, you haven't, you've listened to it a lot, but you haven't been yeah. on it as long as I have, obviously, but you listen to it a lot. One thing I've said a lot of is I I do really try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like I try, I don't like the term gamer and I don't like the term, like, I don't, I don't like, you know, people having to be like, oh, I had to dumb it down for the average consumer. Like I, I try to, to like boast and get people on board with the thought that we can be better thinkers, like take an idea, think more about it, be a better consumer, you know? And unfortunately this announcement right here is exactly not proving my point. <laughs> so the PlayStation five controller, the dual sense shows a picture, two pictures of the device and a bunch of buzzwords in a statement from Sony. And it's loved by all. This is the best way to deliver information to fans. They don't want to know a deep dive. Like we got with the Mark Cerny PS five architecture, deep dive, how that was presented. And we, we talked about this, you know, we thought the, the, presentation was terrible for the average consumer but the average consumer doesn't want information like that they want information like this which is just here's a picture of it we're gonna throw some buzzwords at you and then just hype here's a picture and (laughs) hype and that's all people want and it makes me so sad because i wish people would look at this and go hey like i would love to see a breakdown of all the parts of this controller work like Mark Cerny did with how the PS5 architecture works. Not that that was the most technical breakdown anyway. That that was just a that was a, a pretty layman's explanation of what the PS5 does. But I would love to see something like that with the dual uh, with the dual sense. But unfortunately, like I said, it's proving my point. It's it's proving the opposite of my point that I'm trying to make all the time is that we're, we need to be better. We need to be better consumers, more educated consumers, because people just don't want info that way. The majority of people just want to be shoveled the information delivered like this. And maybe even like this podcast, like people just want to be delivered content and they don't want to dig into it. Now you're raising your hand. Go ahead. (laughs) No. And I, and I am too. Like I saw this and I was like, cool. And when they reveal the system, I'm sure they'll do the same thing. Here's a picture. Here's some of the stuff it's going to do. And then it's going to be it. But it's like, ah, man, like I, I just like it, it proves that, this is the sort of way they need to release their information in the future. Don't do another Mark Cerny GDC talk release because all that did was give them, they got flack for that for weeks, negative press. This comes out and it's just amazing. You know? Well, I think, um, what's the head of, uh, Microsoft game games right now? Uh, Phil, Phil Spencer, Phil Spencer. Yep. Uh, I, Phil Spencer, is a lot more charismatic and does a much better job of being like the everyman than, than Mark Cerny. Totally agree. And yep. He talks so more on I, the level of like a gamer than Mark Cerny does. I agree. Yeah. Like I feel like you could ask Phil Spencer an off the cuff question and you wouldn't necessarily get a completely like, like buzzword jargon answer or, necessarily like a way to overcomplicate an answer i feel like he knows how to talk to his audience more i totally agree 100 percent. yeah i think mark cerny knows how to talk to industry people better and you can have that 
that industry talk, but you should also have somebody like a Phil Spencer that can take that same inter- information and make it exciting. Because like talking about your ear for 30 minutes is a very weird way oh, <laughs> to man, give I the know. first impressions yeah. of your console. And, whereas instead, Microsoft's just like, look at how cool this stuff is. And it's like, yeah, all right, I'm excited. Whereas yep. like Mark Cerny talking about his ear, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm confused and I'm also concerned he might have a fetish. Yeah, it, it's it was very, it was just strange. And he was, you know, he's so giddy talking about the things he likes and he's interested in. And that giddiness comes off as like really off-putting because it's not like yeah. a, it's not a shared excitement. Like he's not excited for you and him to sit down and play a game together. He's excited to show you his super intelligent creation that he created. He's like Frankenstein, you know, and like he wants to show you his monster. <laughs> uh, not in that way, John, but he wants to show you his monster <laughs> and be proud of it as opposed to like Phil Spencer's like, hey, man, let's let's jam. Let's jam on some stuff together, you know? So I, I yeah. definitely get the difference between the two guys and how they roll out information is a big deal. Like marketing obviously works and it's a big deal. I guess ultimately I'd like there to be somewhere in, in between, but yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Well, and, and the disappointing thing about that GDC ish talk was that he didn't show anything. Like it was just a PowerPoint and they didn't even have a slide that gave you any impression of what a game looked like, what right. the console was going to look like, what the controllers are going to look like. So it's like, like they were going straight back to like the early nineties when, when Sony was, or when um, Super Nintendo was talking about like their 16 bit processor versus uh, Sega's 16 bit processor. Right. And it was like, don't talk to us like that anymore. Yeah. Like, well, and at least back then it wasn't, it was a consumer trade so, show. So they should have been talking to other industry people as opposed to nowadays. Like when Sony released that to the public, like that was them saying, we want the public to consume this. It's not like it leaked, right? Like if it was a leaked GDC talk and I'd be like, okay, well, yeah, that wasn't meant for public consumption, but it very clearly was revealed like to the fans and their expectation was, the fans are going to eat this up. And all they did was get just spit out. They did chew. They chewed on it and spit it back out. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm during the PS4 launch. They did such a good job of like reacting to Microsoft's stumbles and Adam, that Adam boys video with, um, Oh, just, I forget his name, but yeah, like this is how you share games. And it's just like here, (laughs) like that, those were great. And like, that's what I loved about early PS4. And I would like them to get back to that because like they really were firing on all cylinders, like marketing wise, they were listening to the fans. So yeah, early PS4 had me really, really excited. And they lost a lot of those guys in the last couple of years for some reason. They're just everybody's higher up jump and ship from PlayStation. Yeah. Well, you know, that's ultimately though, when a company's successful, like those executives get better jobs at other companies, that's the problem, you know? And yeah. so ultimately, and, and people I think burn out in this industry a lot as well, even executives. And, you know, Sony went through a lot of restructuring and a lot of issues. So I'm, it may not have been the best place to work either. And you might, you, they might've feared for their jobs too, because it was a company that for a very long time was struggling. The only profitable division for quite a while was the PlayStation division. I mean, it, the rest of that company was, was having a, a really tough time, you know, and you're going against Microsoft, which is endless bags of cash. Um, you know, they can throw at any failed project they want. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Uh, it's just how we consume it. And the average, the average gamer, the average player, they just want the information handed to them kind of like this. You know, they, they don't want, they, they want flash and they want a picture. They don't want deep dives and all that, which I guess they can save for me and then I'll read into it and then I'll share it <laughs> with people if they want to hear it. And if they don't want to hear it, then they'll stop listening. And it'll be fine. Now I want both. Uh, yeah. I also did watch that Mark Cerny thing. Now I will say, so Microsoft had a, um, inside Xbox, uh, this last couple days. Yes. Um, and I watched part of it and as a major Xbox fan, I can say, I didn't care about any of that. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I will say that, um, I, I find it funny that the, I, I sent you some pictures of, uh, of their, their chat, um, our setup right now that we have going on behind us looks far more professional than what Microsoft had set up for theirs. Yeah. Which is very I, weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I spent about maybe 20 minutes like moving crap around and I have a light right there and then like another one right there and they just filmed theirs like in a kitchen. Yeah. It, <laughs> so it, it's like, it, it's it's like, so weird and like you see that on on the news stations now too when they'll have a guest that's quarantined at home or whatever and they just have the worst picture and the worst mic quality i'm like what how how do i have better home equipment than right. like 50 percent of the reporters and journalists <laughs> that work for major companies i don't know it's and, just weird and my side is being filmed by an iphone yes stuck inside of a retron 5 as a as a uh tripod i'm glad you're still using the retron 5 that's a big deal yes um, works fantastic but uh, most use it's gotten in several years <laughs> <laughs> that thing is uh is kind of a pile and i i really yeah. i the retron 5 upsets me more than it probably should but you know what is better than now the ouya now <laughs> the uh the atari console that we're gonna talk yeah, about. yeah <laughs> buddy that's a great segue i love your segue style in fact it's funny right as you said that i was actually switching the page over so uh <laughs> so i'm gonna cue us up for this we're gonna talk about this atari story and then we're gonna go into our pickup piles of the week we each have our game of the week picked out and we actually have a listener question this week we plucked from twitter and so we'll uh we'll i'll ask that question to the two of us and then that'll be it and we'll roll out uh, and, and that'll be that so, uh, so here we go, John. I'm going to queue it up. You ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. So lastly on the podcast today, John, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to be talking about, once again, an oldie but a goodie. This this is the old the old comeback. I've done a few videos on this in the past. The Atari box, now called the Atari CVS console, is once again in hot water. This time... The Xbox co-creator. So this was actually one of the original system architects for the original Xbox. His name is Rob Wyatt. He's currently suing Atari for failing to pay him for design of the VCS console. So the story goes on to say Tin Giant, which is the company of Rob Wyatt, who's the Xbox guy, filed a lawsuit in federal court in Colorado alleging breach of contrast and defamation. Tin Giant said that Atari owes it in excess of $261,720. <laughs> I love the specificity um, there. So it goes on to say, um, Wyatt, who's the co-creator of the Xbox and co-founder of The Last Game Board, which I have that website brought up here too, uh, said in an interview last year that he quit as lead architect for Atari. He alleged that Atari did not pay his company Tin Giant for six months of work. 
Atari CEO Fred Chesnays declined to comment in a statement saying that he had not received a copy of the lawsuit yet. Atari has not developed a game console for more than 20 years, but the original plan for the VCS first called Atari Box was hatched by Firgal Makkonlolaud in 2017. But Atari pressed the pause button on the Atari Box project and postponed pre-orders, and McConnellod left. During the Game Developers Conference in 2018, March 2018, Atari said it revived the project and that it had renamed the machine the Atari VCS. Chesney said the machine was going to ship in 2019, but Atari missed those dates and then promised to ship this spring. So before I go on, uh, first of all, I don't remember hearing that the Atari box was put on freeze and then renamed the Atari VCS. I don't remember ever hearing that it was put on pause. So I know I they didn't, they didn't ever, I mean, that was never a thing that I would have covered that story in an instant. They never put that on freeze or they never made an announcement about it. it being I don't on remember freeze it being called Atari box. I remember it. Oh like, yeah. Every, everything I always heard was that it was just the VCS. Oh yeah. The Atari box, man. I've got, I've got early videos from probably from 2017 talking about the Atari box. Uh, so the article goes on to say why it's lawsuit said that tin giant agreed to a contract on June 26th of 2018. Wyatt said he performed his obligations under the deal and submitted invoices totaling $261,720. By October of 2019, so that is uh, 16 to 18 months later, Wyatt demanded payment but said he received nothing. He said Atari also falsely claimed that Tin Giant had delayed the console project and failed to complete its scope of services under the agreement. Quote, in fact, it was Atari's own mismanagement of the console project that was the cause of or reason for the delayed launch, the lawsuit says. It also said Chesnay's and Atari executive Michael Arts made false statements to the public about Tin Giant. Those false statements being that it was Rob Wyatt's company Tin Giant that was the reason for the Atari box's delay. Atari has yet to ship the VCS to customers who pre-ordered it to or otherwise start shipping the company recently said that the coronavirus had disrupted its plans ah that coronavirus so um where to begin with this uh so so first um i want to talk about that guy's other company the last game board now when i looked up rob wyatt i was trying to find more information about his company tin giant now john i'm quite the internet sleuth you may or may not know and i could not find anything about the company Tin Giant. Really? No, no social media presence. I searched for it under like the uh, the databases, like the government business databases. I found nothing registered okay. under that. Like I didn't see like a Tin Giant LLC, nothing like that. This company, The Last Game Board, which was also founded by Rob White, this exists. It's here. It's got social media. It's got a website. It's got all that fun stuff. What is that company? This company is a company he founded that's going to make video board games tabletop platforms that integrate video games and board games so like okay. like ar technology for smartphones where like you'll have the app on your phone and you can hold your camera over the board and then it'll show like virtual pieces moving or something so okay um it looks cool actually don't don't get me wrong it, it actually looks kind of neat uh, but that was a company that he started uh under rob wyatt's page i forget the name of the website it kind of talks about him as a professional uh, it's not LinkedIn. It's something similar. It mentions that he's only started one one company, which is Last Game Board, not Tin Giant. So I know nothing about Tim, hmm. Tin Giant. Tin Giant could just be a company he made 
just to help with the Atari VCS, which is most likely what happened. Honestly, my guess is going to be that he created that company to be the company that gets paid by Atari as opposed to paying him like as an individual to be a consultant. Okay. So they, let me see here. I just want to get back to it. Um, so that's weird to me. This company, Tin Giant, has no footprint whatsoever. No social media, nothing like that. Okay, no problem. I don't believe that he's in any way wrong for filing the lawsuit. And until Atari has any sort of counterclaim, we won't really know much else about it. But um, I have an issue with them blaming the coronavirus, COVID-19, <laughs> on the current delay. Um, how is it that it was supposed to come out in March of 2020? How, how did anything from COVID-19 delay that if it wasn't already, like it was never going to make that mark. Right. Right. Yeah. Like there was no chance it was ever going to hit that. So let me ask you then. I know you, we, we joked a little bit before the podcast, we joked a little bit about how we would never buy it. And I, I even said in the intro, like how hell no hell to the no, I did not kickstart it or pre-order it. But what are your thoughts on the VCS since you and I have never talked about it. And so what are your thoughts about it? And if, do you believe that this lawsuit uh, will stand? Um, so I think the lawsuit is probably valid and warranted. Um, I do think that he probably did do the work and didn't get paid for it. Um, because honestly, before, like when this was announced by Kickstarter years ago, I was like, this sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> this sounds like something that will probably never come out. Or if it does come out, it's going to be a piece of crap. And the reason why I would think that is that we've got things like the Ouya and the Game Stick and other like small like quasi video game consoles that have come and gone and just been like failures. Just right. Like and most people, if you ask if you ask most gamers about an Ouya, they wouldn't have any idea what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, and, um, and, and honestly, that's not even counting the crazy stuff like the chameleon, which never materialized, and stuff like that. Like the phantom, the chameleon, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the Coleco chameleon, yeah. So you know, it 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 definitely is not in the same category as those machines, but it is yeah. also not. It seems to be not anywhere near the level of a guarantee like a Nintendo or a Microsoft or a Sony console right. would be. Do you have the tech specs pulled up at all, or do you know what the tech specs are? Uh, I know that they increased the RAM from four to eight gigs, but I'll find it here. Go Did ahead they? and uh, okay, yeah, go oh, go I ahead. I was gonna say, I I looked at the tech specs um a couple days ago, and the they must have been old for what I looked at, but because they still had four gigs worth of RAM. But I was just like thinking to myself, the my eleven almost eleven year old PC was more powerful than this thing, and it's like, and this thing is not gonna be a like retro emulation thing like it's it's not meant to play old atari games it's not meant to play right to be to be like the the mini nes the mini snes it's meant to play pc games and i would assume poorly based on the (laughs) terrible old specs that it's got i can't imagine it's running almost anything that's gonna come out in the last like three four years in anything but low 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 settings well, and that was really the problem, right? Was that it wasn't 
it was like it was trying to be nostalgic with the name Atari, but it wasn't meant to be a nostalgic box, you know, like, right. it, I mean, they may, they're probably gonna make more money on those stupid Atari flashbacks than they'll ever make on something like this, because people who love Atari don't want a computer that can play some Atari games. Um, let's see. Uh, I want to yeah. say some of these have changed. Um, well, it looks like it's got the upgraded RAM. So it, it says it's got a AMD Raven Ridge 2 Ryzen CPU. Uh, excuse me, the AMD Raven Ridge 2 CPU, a Ryzen GPU. 8 gigs of DDR4 in the 800 system. Um yeah, I don't know, and some other crap like it's power consumption and stuff like that. So not really a big deal. But it, yeah, it's basically like a a really poorly put together PC that is way less powerful than what you could get if you built a PC for that same amount of money yourself. Yeah, how much is this thing too? Is it two fifty or? I think it's two ninety nine. Okay. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. And and so this isn't the first time that Atari's been sued over this device. (laughs) So now I had mentioned, let's see here, uh, in July of 2018, so this is right around the same time that they brought in Rob Wyatt. uh, In July 2018, the troubled business was sued by the man who first proposed the Atari VCS as a modern version of the classic 2600, Fiergal Mac Conalad, right? So that's the guy who was running the project, he left the project, and then he sued them because he claimed Atari reneged on a deal to give him a 4% cut of crowdfunding revenues over 200000 plus 25% of the limited company set up to launch the console. So first of all, this guy has incredible insight because he asked for 4% of the crowdfunding revenues as opposed to 4% of the profit of... <laughs> So he knew it would probably crowdfund really well. So uh, it went on to say that Atari raised over $3 million to crowdfund development of the console, but Kunalad never received the $112,000 he was owed, according to his lawsuit. The case was settled out of court in New York in May of 2019, with Atari later noting in its 2019 financial statement that Kunalad was paid about $82,000. So it's off to a really good start. <laughs> it's not even out yet. It's this, this sucks. And, and I, I shouldn't laugh because a lot of people poured their money into this project, hoping to get it. And I don't, I say this all the time. I don't want them to go away. I want them to get better. I want Atari to release the VCS. I want their fans to be happy with it. And I want them to make money doing it. There's, I don't, I don't have any ill will towards Atari. Is this the Atari that, no, <laughs> we want to be successful though. No, like, is, no, is this anywhere like is this Atari in any way that's actually a legitimate game company? Because well, to me, this seems like a bunch of fly by night hucksters. Well, and, and this isn't the first product that they launched. I is it this page or is it another one? Anyway, there was another thing called like, do you remember that thing about the thing called like the game watch or the Atari watch? Uh, let me no. see if I can find it here. So, um, do, 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 do I want to find it here? I swear I, I had it up because I was reading it and I was like, this is mental. Um, yeah, 250 ish is about the price. I thought okay. it was here. Uh, well, anyway, so unfortunately, I, uh, I don't have it up here. Um, so, uh, updated to this article. Now, the article I'm reading that talked about the lawsuit that was old was from October of 2019. And 
Atari's PR firm, Uber Strategist Incorporated, sent us the following message. Atari wishes to inform you that some of the questions indicate that you possess information that is incorrect or outdated. In addition, some aspects of the Atari VCS project clearly have been leaked to you in violation of existing confidentiality agreements, and Atari <laughs> therefore hereby reserves its rights in that respect. End quote. So that was the that was the article got that email their, their from PR the press company. Firm um, yeah, and and so they didn't they didn't do anything to clarify anything. They just said you shouldn't know that. Yeah, they're like uh, you shouldn't know that, and you shouldn't have said that. Just, Not that yeah, it's wrong. Things are wrong. And yeah. you shouldn't have said that because you shouldn't know it, but we're not going to clarify anything. Yeah, it's it's weird, too, because there's things in here that says the biz has also failed to reach an agreement with games engine makers Unity and Unreal. So the Atari VCS may not have the same level of acceleration and capabilities of other machines, such as the Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and VR headsets and stuff like that, which, I mean, oh, that's, that's the article reaching a little bit. However, I would have um, thought that the... Um, unreal and unity would be on a game by game basis not not the hardware needing to have any sort of licensing for it that's I don't, surprising I don't to me well i don't think they need to but i think you can get optimization tools so that games run better in that engine okay. on the hardware i mean that would be my guess but I, i'll be honest i don't know so again i hope that everyone who bought one gets it but there's last thing i want to talk about with this story john before we wrap it up is that someone on reddit someone bless his heart or her heart made in the Atari VCS subreddit, built a timeline of events. So we get to watch, this is the timeline of the Atari VCS. E3 2017, Atari teases the Atari box. September 2017, Atari releases more information, price between 250 and 300, it runs Linux, and a planned release next spring thanks to Indiegogo. December 2017, Atari announces plans to open pre-orders later that week. December 14th, Atari pushes back the pre-orders to, quote, to create the platform, end quote, and ecosystem the Atari community deserves. January 25th, 2018, Atari launch a different crowdfunding campaign to bring Roller Coaster Tycoon to Switch. <laughs> February 16, 2018, Atari launches its own cryptocurrency called Atari Token. March 19th, Atari Box is renamed Atari VCS. The pre-order date is still yet to be announced. March 22, 2018, Tech news site The Register sits down with Michael Arts during GDC with a non-working mock-up and gets no answers. April <laughs> April 30th, 2018, VCS Indiegogo campaign announced for May 30th and that the VCS will support 4K, buzzword, HDR, buzzword, and 60 FPS, buzzword, with Atari Vault preloaded and a planned release now for spring of 2019. May 30th, 2018, Atari VCS launches on Indiegogo and makes over $1.5 million in one day. June 8th, 2018, it was revealed that Tempest 4000 creator Llamasoft had no idea that the game was coming to the VCS, despite it apparently being shown to run natively on the system. <laughs> I talked about that on a podcast a few years ago. Uh, June 22nd, as someone posted the Register article back in March on their official Facebook page, Atari's response was far from professional and accused them of being irresponsible trolls. I also did a story about that. July 16th, VCS, uh, the VCS specs are bumped up with RAM increased from 4 gigs to 8 gigs. August 29th, 2018, shows off prototype board Atari VCS test. November 24th, 2018, the Atari game band, here it is, Another crowdfunded project has been canceled despite raising over $300,000 and refunds are not given. 
March 19th, 2019, the VCS would receive another spec boost in a brand new AMD Radeon Vega chipset and gets delayed till the end of 2019. June of 2019, pre-orders are open once again for the VCS, this time through GameStop, Walmart, and Atari's own website, with a new release date of March 2020. September 29th, 2019, so last September, announced a partnership with Antstream Arcade, which would offer a large variety of classic games to play from systems like the Commodore 64 and Spectrum, which, by the way, I'm not a paid show for them. Antstream Arcade is actually pretty cool. Check it out sometime. There's an app on the Xbox where you literally go in there and you play a bunch of like, they got the licenses to a bunch of weird old games. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I, I I listened to a podcast where they were talking to the guy that runs that and it it sounds really cool. It's like, I think they have like five or 6,000 games, but it's a lot of old, weird, like... Yeah, a lot of old junk, like, man, but it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spectrum, ZX Spectrum, yeah. Intellivision style stuff. But but it's cool and there's a lot of weird, weird old stuff on there and... Um, now this one, they forgot to list it higher up. So October 8th, 2019 is when Rob Wyatt quits the project claiming Atari has not paid him for the last six months. Now he started in the company around July of 2018. So he worked there for like a year and a half or worked on it for a year and a half. And then in October, he quits citing that he has not been paid for six months, which means he did get paid for about a year. So that's an interesting take. November 20. Yes. Uh, so when did the game band fail the and game not refund people? November 24th of 2018. The Atari okay. game band then, was canceled despite raising $300,000. And then when did he start? He started around the summer of 2018. All right. He should have known then. <laughs> That's well, when he should have known he's not going to get paid. I wouldn't surprise me if Atari game band money went to pay him. Uh, so then last November, an extensive update, COO Michael Arts assured backers that they would still be receiving their units before they hit shelves in the spring, as well as confirming several studios have been lined up for launch. January of 2020, so last January. In yet another business venture, Atari announces plans to open Atari-themed hotels with the first one planned for Phoenix. <laughs> February 5th, Atari has announced even more delays due to the coronavirus. So they, they announced that in February 5th. So that's very early. Uh, March 20th, 2020, Atari confirms enough resources to produce, are you ready for this, John, 500 units, most of them earmarked for developers as dev kits. So (laughs) they have enough money in March. Okay, so this this is three weeks ago, John. Three weeks ago, they have enough money to make 500 units that they're going to give away well, I shouldn't say giveaway. They're going to sell to developers so that they can have dev kits. And then April and, 2nd. Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so so this thing was supposed to launch in March, but they didn't have any developers get their hands on them until at least now. So <laughs> yes. this thing was going to launch with what software? <laughs> this thing was going to launch with Steam capable of being downloaded to it, and you could play all your Steam games on it that, obviously fit the specs (laughs) well it fit the specs um and then april 2nd 2020 rob wyatt files a lawsuit against atari claiming they owe his company six months for designing the atari vcs totaling over two hundred sixty thousand dollars. so that that second to last one though john march 20th which which was roughly the release date of the console they come out and say we have enough resources to produce 500 units enough resources they have enough resources to produce 500 units how much 
What's I, 500 times 250 bucks? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> not enough. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the math. Yeah. Well, no, it's, well, 250 times 100, you know, is, yeah. So, uh, let me figure this out real quick. Uh, so you said it was 250, let's say $250. Times 500. Times 500, 500 units. If they sold those units, they would make $125,000. <laughs> which would be enough to produce another 500 units maybe no i'm just kidding um so so that's where this project sits i'm I'm so disappointed in them um so bad i mean they i just feel like crowdfunding was such a neat thing in the beginning and then these like you said these fly-by-night shysters show up and they're like hey we bought the atari name for 20 bucks 10 years ago so let's use that name to push a product to it to, to grab hold of people's nostalgic feelings and let's milk them for it. And I think a lot of people are getting milked on this. And if they only have enough money to produce those units and then make them dev kits. Now, usually companies do have to buy dev kits from a company. But do you think that there's 500 companies out there that would buy a dev kit for the Atari VCS? I, yeah, I, I couldn't. I, I bet you they could get. They could probably sell a hundred, but at what? Pr- I mean, usually dev kits are more expensive than a retail console. So if it's a, a if it's a two hundred and fifty dollar piece of equipment, what are they selling the dev kits for? A thousand bucks, you know? So I mean, if, if that's what they're looking for, is their next infusion of cash, is selling the dev kits? I don't see it. I don't see who is jumping on the dev kit train right now for Atari VCS. That makes no sense to me. Well, and even if they sold them for a grand, they'd be looking at like what five hundred to six hundred thousand dollars worth of. Oh, actually, it'd be five hundred thousand dollars. Five hundred thousand. Yeah. So they'd be they'd have five hundred grand. That's still nothing when you're trying to manufacture consoles for commercial sale. Right. Right. Because they have over three thousand backers just on Kickstarter. So 3,000 consoles that have to hit before they count, and that doesn't count the pre-orders that they got at Walmart, GameStop, and on their own website. So the well, 3,000 is just their backers. Those backers already paid, so they're yes. not getting anything more from them, potentially, right. if they paid the full amount. And, and so... this, was, this was my whole problem, and this is my most disliked video I've ever done, was when I talked about the okay. Commodore 64 Mini. I trashed that thing. But what's funny is I didn't trash the mini device. I trashed the company because originally what happened was they were making a full-blown Commodore 64 computer rebuild. And they kickstarted that or they used Indiegogo. And of course, they didn't have enough money. So then they made the C64 mini so that they could make money on the C64 mini to put back into the Commodore project to then try to get that out to its backers. But you said the perfect thing. They're sunk cost into those people already. So if they give them, if they spend all their money to make the systems to give to them, they make zero money back on that. So there's no way that the people who back this are going to get it before it gets to retail. It's going to be a simultaneous launch because they need the retail money. They can't just spend all their money and give it to the people that already paid for it, which is totally ridiculous since they paid for it. They should get it first. I mean, it's like I'm living in bizarro world that that's how these companies think it's okay to operate that way. But that's the freedom you're given with a platform, especially Indiegogo. Kickstarter, you have to have a working prototype to start a Kickstarter project. Indiegogo, you don't. And on an Indiegogo, if you don't meet your target money goal, you still get the money that you were that people pledged to you. Kickstarter doesn't yeah. do that. If you don't make your goal, then Kickstarter 
you don't get any money, which Kickstarter, then people just put really low goals. So they'll put like $25,000 and then they smashed the goal, you know, and then it's, then they get all the money, but you know, whatever. So I really hope people get it. I'm disappointed in this company and I think they're a bunch of shady shysters and I hope that people eventually get the product that they paid for. But I'll be honest, John, I'm pretty skeptical at this point. Yeah. I I would like to say this. Stop kickstarting video game consoles. Yep. Consoles, <laughs> I don't I don't think people realize the effort that goes into a console launch. You know, like when I hear when I hear stuff like that, like, oh, this company's even even the Intellivision, like Tarico or whatever, or uh, the, the the hell is it called? The the Intellivision the Intel Teleco? I what whatever, whatever. The Intellivision, the new there's a new Intellivision coming out. Even that, it's like the the amount of effort it takes to put into one of these projects. I mean, eh, man, it's I, I don't see why anybody would want to get into making a new console, especially when you've got such a impossible market to break into. Yeah. Uh, so quick on on shystery video game consoles. Um, do you remember? And and we want. I I just want to ask if you remember it. Um, do you remember the incredibly interesting drama behind the uh, the Tiger Telematics Gizmodo? I I've heard of that, but I don't know of anything else. Uh, go ahead and hit me with it. Okay, we got to do a video, or you got to do a video after researching it. It's it's awesome, <laughs> uh, and the entire the entire thing fell apart after a. Um, I think I think he's Polish, but a a guy named Stefan Eriksson crashed an Enzo Ferrari going over a hundred miles an hour on the Pacific Coast Highway in California back in like two thousand. I remember hearing about that. To two thousand, I definitely heard about that. Yeah, yeah, and he he crashed in such a way that it cut the car in half and it separated the engine compartment from the passenger compartment. And when the police showed up. He said that a German man named Dieter was driving. He does not know where Dieter is or what his last name was um, <laughs> that he was letting drive his $1.2 million car. Also, that handgun over there in, in the grass, not his. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> so that was the start of an incredible story that just snowballed and revealed that the Telematics Gizmondo that was coming out was just nothing more than a money loan scheme. Mm. Uh, so you should definitely read about it because there's some awesome articles online and it's fascinating. That That is fascinating. Oh my God. I will definitely check that out. Um, so that's yeah, all we I'll, had for, I'll, oh. I'll find a good link and I'll send it to you. Nice. Yes, please do. Um, so that's all we had for the story today. Um, and then we're going to we're going to talk we're going to do our user question, our listener question. I always say user, our listener question. I'm really bad about that. I don't know why I say user question all the time. Um so uh let's see. Um let me bring it up here. Okay, so John, I'm going to send it to you first and then you just kick it back to me when you're done. Sure. But it was similar to what we were talking about already and this actually was not planned at all. It just worked out this way, but what are your thoughts on Sony pushing haptic feedback with the upcoming DualSense? So that's the DualShock uh, 5, you know, the, the PlayStation 5 controller. What are your thoughts on them putting haptic feedback into the controller? I'm wondering if there's actually going to be haptic tactile feedback on the the touchpad part of it. 
Um, because like you were saying with your iPhone, like haptic feedback is really cool. Like it's, it's neat to press your screen and have it feel like there's a button there. So if, if they had that on the touchpad, it could be neat, but again, not enough developers really utilize the touchpad in a meaningful way. Um, and I don't know if like they really mainly talked about the triggers and, and the new like rumble technology. I, I shouldn't be saying rumble because I think part of the reason why they're moving away from the name dual shock is that I don't think it's going to have rumble motors in it at all. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure that everything is going to be haptic feedback. Um, so yeah, they're, I, I'm also interested to see kind of a teardown of the controller and see what's inside of that thing. Yeah, I, I think that actually makes that's a really good point, John. That that's probably why they dropped the name if they aren't going to use the actual rumble motors anymore. That's 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 really smart. I totally agree with that. Um, and so haptic feedback. Um, I'm all for new technology. I think it's awesome, as long as it doesn't get in the way of things I already like and care about. One of the things I care about is battery life. So if having haptic feedback causes the battery to last for three hours, or if you took it out and the battery would last for 20, I would say, give me a 20 hour battery over haptic feedback any day. However, haptic feedback is really sweet when properly implemented. Um, like, and they call it on the switch, they call it HD rumble, which is like the stupidest name ever. And, but the idea <laughs> is that you can, and this, this is legitimate. The, the idea behind the technology is that, it will rumble or vibrate in such a way that it simulates your hand to feeling something else. Like you could have the switch Joy-Con in your hand and it would rumble in such a way that it felt smooth like an egg or that it would or feel like, like a cow's udder. Yeah, or like a cow's udder or like a pistol you quick draw on one two switch. Um but but that's the idea is that it could it could give you the feeling of something else, which is incredible. I think that's fantastic, especially for VR. VR haptic feedback in VR. Like I, I say this all the time and people think I'm crazy. One day VR is going to have straight up haptic gloves where you'll, you'll play the game and you'll in the game, you'll grab a gun and you'll go to close your fist and you'll start to feel pressure on your hand when you're holding that gun. It already, the technology already exists. It's just not really, it's just not really out there for consumer cons, uh, you know, like in the consumer market yet. Mm-hmm. but that sort of technology exists. And I think that's really cool. Like, like simulating holding an object in your hand by just the way that the glove would make you feel that. But to wrap it around to this question, uh, I think it's cool. I like that they're pushing the boundaries with this controller and that they're trying to do something different, but they can't sacrifice certain things. They can't sacrifice how it feels. If they had to bulk this thing out to fit everything. And if I hold that controller and I don't like it, it doesn't matter how much cool stuff it is. If I don't like it, um, so I guess it's a give and take if they had to lose stuff or make me hate other features to get it in there. I don't want it, but if it's something they could just fit in and everything works great, give me haptic feedback all day long. I, I think it's cool. I love the tech. Um, as long as it doesn't kill the battery, I love the tech. I think haptic feedback is probably a battery saving choice as well, because if you think about it, I don't think haptic feedback is necessarily a motor that needs to spin something. That's a very good, what, very good point. Yeah, yeah, which is what those rumble motors inside of the controllers have been for 20 years. So removing... Now, the Xbox has four of those rumble motors inside of it, uh, one in each trigger and then two in the, the handles. And PlayStation had two in the handles. 
now removing that probably will save a lot of battery life itself. So, so that might be their solution. Does the Series X have rumble motors still then? So it uses the same like magnetic technology or are they using haptic? I'm, question. Let me I'm take thinking a look. they're also using, um, I think they're still using the same rumble motors that they've been using. Um, it says the Xbox Series X controller will be making use of haptic feedback. Hmm. Um, yeah, this actually just, just got released after they announced the DualSense. <laughs> oh, we, we we missed some breaking news. Oh, apparently. Um, Damn. There won't be a DualShock 5 for the upcoming PS5. Instead, Sony's bringing in a new controller that is perfect for the leap that the PS5 is taking. Um, the Xbox Series X controller will be making use of haptic feedback so PS5 wouldn't let their rival... So PS5 wouldn't let the rival get ahead of them when it comes to this feature. I don't understand why that sentence is written that way. Uh, adopting haptic feedback gives way for better immersion for players, and according to the PlayStation update, DualSense will bring a variety of powerful sensations while playing using this feature. <laughs> but yeah, so basically... Oh, I can't wait to play Galgun. Yeah. Oh, oh, Lord. But yeah, so the Series <laughs> X will also use haptic feedback. I'm, I'm, I'm a go for haptic feedback. I like it. I like the tech. I think it's super cool how it psychologically tricks you into thinking it feels like something else. I think that's super neat. Um, as long as it doesn't kill my battery. That's that's what yep. I want in this DualShock, in, or <laughs> I'm never going to stop saying it. In the DualSense, I want a 20-hour battery, man. I'm sorry. I want a 20-hour battery. The, the, the Switch Pro Controller put it. I want it. Yep, same. 20 or more. 20 or more. It's freaking 30. 2020. Um, okay, so uh, with all that fun stuff out of the way, John, we have our pickup pile of the week. And we have our game of the week. Uh, you go ahead first with your game of the week. All right. So my game of the week is Spec Ops The Line for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. You've been telling me to play this game for like 10 years, and I haven't played it yet. But you keep telling me it's so good, and I, and I totally believe you. I just haven't haven't played it i love this game and when it originally came out i was working at gamestop down in oshkosh and uh it released like right around the time of modern 2 and i just thought i'm like this just looks like a budget garbage ripoff like don't even bother with it army game and and the spec ops games were always ass so like like they they started off as a ps1 game well, they were on PC, but like the PS1 version was a $10 game that was near the end of the PS1's life. And they started releasing $10 games and it was Spec Ops, Martian Gothic. And I think there's like one other one I'm forgetting. It's like a some sort of car game. But anyway, so Spec Ops has always been like a cheap piece of shit game. Right. Excuse my language. And... <laughs> <laughs> Greg, Greg was worried about my language when, when he started like having me on the podcast and i have done a really good job of not swearing. You've, you've done so good you've done so good and i'm the one who keeps uh botching it so so yeah uh spec ops also had a dreamcast game that also sucked surprise surprise um and yeah there were there was like four or five playstation one spec ops games and then yep. there was one on the dreamcast and they were all terrible and that was another reason why I thought Spec Ops The Line was going to be garbage, because it's like, why are you resurrecting a, like, 10 or 15-year-old game that has no name value whatsoever? And so I didn't play it forever. And I was working at GameStop for a couple of years after that game came out, and I kept having people come in and be like, 
holy crap, have you played that game? You need to play it. The white phosphorus level is jaw-dropping. And so I was like, all right. I want to know what the hell this is about. And so I finally got around to playing it. And I don't play modern war games. Well, and that, like, just first-person shooters in general, if they're, like, a, a normal war setting, I have very little interest in them. Mm-hmm. And not only did I play this entire game in, like, two days, and lo- and I loved it. It's it's fascinating. Um, it shows you the horrors and the dark side of war and, ha- like, really shows you a lot of, like, moral choices where you, you're like, I don't like what this game is making me do. Okay. And, and that's, and, and it has you reflect on it later. So it's not, it's not glorifying war at all. Like it's the exact opposite. The, that, that white phosphorus level an hour later, you're going to be like, Oh my God, what did I do? Uh, and it's, it's fantastic. I love that game. Um, I, I hope it gets a, a remaster re-release on on the current console because i would like more people to play it um the only drawback of that game is that 2k made them tack on a garbage multiplayer to it and so the the scores were based on the game the single player is great but the multiplayer sucks that game doesn't have multiplayer. Sure, Just ignore sure. the multiplayer. Okay. <laughs> it, Fair enough. It's it's not made by the studio Jaeger that developed the game. It's crap. Uh, but yeah, play Spec Ops the line. It's amazing. I love nice. it. All right. Uh, well, uh, my game of the week this week, I'm still in the PS1 jump, but we're already in the S's. So that's good. We're getting through the PS1. But this game, actually, I do like. I need to play more of it, though. Um, but I my game of the week is Shadow Tower for the PS1. So Shadow Tower uh, could arguably be called Kingsfield 3, which would technically be Kingsfield 4 <laughs> until they made a Kingsfield 4 for the PS2. So it's by FromSoft. They make, obviously, Dark Souls, Demon Souls, and all my favorite games. On the PS1, they made Kingsfield. They made Armored Core. They made some of my favorite franchises. Shadow Tower is a very expensive and rare game because it came out kind of late on the PS1. And it's basically just another Kingsfield. You you run around, you have armor sets, but it's kind of the best version of their Kingsfield engine on the PS1. And it was kind of the last of that style of game that they made on the PS1. Because when they went to Kingsfield on PS2 and they did Eternal Ring, they, they changed their style a little bit. And then ultimately, and technically they released a, a sequel to this game on PS2 in Japan only called Shadow Tower Abyss, which I also have on PS2. Um... But and that kind of brought back that first person, really old school. Um, but I think Shadow Tower Abyss, you actually get a gun. Like it's it's like a modern day game as opposed to, um, you know, this one being another uh, like another fantasy based Kingsfield. So just another great FromSoft game, published in the U.S. by Age Tech, where they don't even bother putting the word FromSoft on the box. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the developer gets no credit because that's how it was back in the day. Um, oh, actually, you know, it does say. It does say on the back uh, during the copyrights it says 1998 from Software Inc. But yeah, that's a late that's a late uh, that's a late PS1 game. Uh, yeah, I, or I should say I it's midlife. It but I was looking it up as you were talking about it because I was like, I don't know if I own that game. And now that I'm looking at the uh, case, I'm like, ah, I don't. Own that game. 
game. Oh, I'm that's sure. a shame. That Damn is a it. shame. Um, oh, 100 bucks too. Yeah. 200 bucks. I had one come through the store, thankfully, and that's where I got mine. But it's my booklet's actually a little mushed. I need to get a better booklet in mine. But um, right, now you've you've officially put a game on my want to buy list. See, this is the sort of stuff too. Like, I would love to get together and you and I try to get through one of these games. Like Kingsfield and stuff like that are super good, but they're 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 hard. And so, like, you get frustrated and you need to pass the controller and take a break. You know, so. Um, but all right, John, so my pickup pile of the week is, is measly. So I'm going to do mine first. It consists of just a single game. Okay. And that's Resident Evil (laughs) three. So I got, I got my copy Resident Evil three. That's it. Played Resident Evil three. Loved it. I'm glad I played it. A step back from two talked about it already in the podcast. So it's your turn. Go ahead. I, I was tempted by Resident Evil three, but hearing about the, um, the length of the game made me think, uh, I probably should just wait and uh, pick that up when it's like 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. And, and honestly, you could wait till it goes down to 20. It'll go down by Christmas. It'll be down to 20. Uh, uh, one second. Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, uh, my AirPods dying. Oh, okay. That's not good. All right. Well, I got two. It's fine. Oh, no. Uh, so, my pickup pile is filled with mostly games for little girls. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'll start with the one that's not, uh, which is uh, I picked up Persona 5 Royal, the Steelbook Edition, which for some reason they pr- printed Steelbook Edition on the bottom of it because we can't tell. I don't know. That's um, so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Persona 5, I will admit I didn't really play the first release of this but I'm kind of hoping that uh, Nicole might try it out because uh, I I saw somebody review it and say that they described it like uh, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Riverdale mixed together, and those are like two things that my <laughs> wife enjoys. That's funny. So it's like, I wouldn't mind getting Nicole to play a more normal video. Well, you could always ask, Jenny played all the way through it. Uh, she loves the Persona games, and she loves okay. most notably the PS2 ones, so she played three four and then five um i personally that's when i stopped liking persona <laughs> was okay was that era i love persona one and two like those are two of my favorite rpgs but um you know but uh, yeah so if she has any questions you can always ask jenny if she'd like it but jenny loves it it's it, to me yeah. that game is always style over substance like it's a very yeah. basic rpg but the menus and everything like style for days i mean like it's cool yeah it's cool uh I well, I, I bought Animal Crossing and I just gave it to Nicole and I was like, here, play this. And I, I just backed off. I was like, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just just try it out. Uh, and she's enjoying the hell out of it. So Nice. Good, um, good. She's uh, trading fruit with my uh, friends Kevin and Melissa online. And I'm surprised that, uh, that you haven't asked <laughs> to jump into our islands and get crap that she might have. Mm. Yeah, I, I play that game very by myself i'm weird with animal oh, crossing okay. uh but well, my brother made three million dollars selling turnips yesterday i was just gonna ask that if uh if you get any good turnip prices let me know so that way nicole can hop on your island and nice. sell them because she's got 500 oh dang nice yeah i'll keep an eye out yeah joe spent like three hundred thousand dollars on turnips when they were at like <laughs> uh, they were i think 91 and he bought a hundred thousand okay. and then uh and then he waited and i think he ended up selling them for I think it was like 250 or something like that. It was really high. Dude crushed it. But but anyway, sorry, go ahead. All right. So besides Persona, 
Uh, obviously, Cooking Mama Cookstar, which Excellent. I will probably never play. My copy should be here tomorrow. So next week I'll have some pickups. Um, uh, Return to Ploplocroix, a story of season's fairy tale. Oh, I love Ploplocroix. So I picked this up because I forgot that this game even existed. And then um, Story of Seasons is doing a remaster of Harvest Moon Friends of Mineral Town. Uh, but it's a Story of Seasons Friends from Mineral Town. Right. And that's awesome. Like, like they are the original developers of Harvest Moon. And they, they d- did every Harvest Moon up until, like, the uh, some of the later PS4 and... Um, Wii games, I believe. And then they started doing Story of Seasons. And so if, if you liked Harvest Moon and were like, hey, why did they suddenly get crappy? Um, <laughs> pick up Story of Seasons and play it. Yeah, and so this... is that published by Natsume as well? No. Um, Natsume owns the Harvest Moon name. And so they, they farmed the development out to a different studio because gotcha. they didn't want to pay the original studio anymore. And so they took their their ball and they went to some other company. But I and thought, so they went to Exceed and I, Marvelous. Okay, because I, I, thought, I thought that the... the What's the title of that again? I'm sorry, I've just totally spaced on it, but... This, Return like, to Plopo Croy, A Story of Seasons okay. Fairy Tale. So, so Story of Seasons, I thought there was a Harvest Moon game that was called like Harvest Moon Story of Seasons or something. So Natsume didn't... I, I swear there was something like that where, where Story of Seasons started off as a Harvest Moon game. And nope. then spun off. No, okay, so, okay, gotcha, I'm wrong on that. No, nope. okay. the, the spinoff was the last Harvest Moon game, well, the first Harvest Moon game, sorry, that was made by a different team was, like, a push toward them trying to make it very Minecrafty, And so that was, like, when I was working at GameStop, that was when people were like, why is this so different, and I don't like it. Mm. And then shortly after that, Story of Seasons came out, and Story of Seasons is straight up Harvest Moon. Um, so yeah, pick up Story of Seasons. It's nice. It's awesome. Right. Excellent. Um, I picked up this because uh, Plo Plo Croy originally released on PSP um, in the US, the first game. And then on PlayStation 1 in Japan, they, they had two games, um, which I have the second game uh, and they did in my port, collection. They ported the PSP 1 to PS2 in Japan. We never got it here, though. Yeah. And actually, there was an import of that at Half Price Books. Uh, I think Dave got nice. it or Dom got it. Yeah, it was a half, half, point, uh, half Price Books in Appleton just had an import of Popola Croy for PS2. Was it a decent price or was it? I think it dumb? was. It was like five or ten oh, bucks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. I didn't Some, get it. Sometimes they price things insane at Half Price Books. Very true. But yeah, Popola Croy came out like two years ago. The the story of seasons. It's it's a mashup of two different games. And so it's Story of Seasons with a RPG, like, knight in shining armor style storyline. Nice. And only uh, for the so 3DS? Yeah. Yes. That sucks. <laughs> All right. And the last game I got, and I'm going to resoundingly say, don't buy this, uh, <laughs> is Sum Sum Festival for the Nintendo Switch. So Sum Sum Festival is a mini game collection and it is like the main part is a puzzle game and you have to turn your switch sideways and then use it 
as a touchscreen, so you're basically playing a phone game. Mm. And oh, then yeah, yeah. sold already. <laughs> the other mini games on the collection cannot be played in handheld mode at all. So if you're playing handheld or playing on a Nintendo Switch Lite, the only thing you can do is that one mode where you turn it sideways and you're just playing a very crappy phone game. The rest of the mini games will be locked out to you. And one of the mini games is just um it's it's published by Bandai Namco. And one of the mini games is just Pac-Man. But you're the little Tsum Tsum guys. Oh, all right. And you can't play Pac-Man handheld. <laughs> I had to I was playing it last night and I had to take my uh my Joy-Con off my Switch and I had to make sure to go into the settings and like separate it from the console and then crappily play pac-man with one joy con <laughs> i was like why is it making me do this so yeah don't buy that game that's really I, oh funny. yeah they released a special edition nintendo switch in japan because of that game what the hell that's that's incredible cool oh, well hey gross. man uh, thank you so much, uh, and thank you everybody for listening and watching. As always, that was the podcast. Uh, I think we'll probably be on next week. I don't think there's a reason not to be. Um, yeah. So we, we seem to be pretty consistently able to work out this time. Obviously, we've still got some weird issues with us being remote and everything, but uh, once again, I always appreciate everybody listening and watching. Uh, you can follow John on Twitter at DryerCombo. I'm on Twitter at GameTradeGreg. And, uh, of course, take care of yourselves and, and be safe out there, obviously. It looks like everything's starting to – what we're doing is working. The curve's flattening, and we should all hopefully – I have a feeling it's going to be middle of May, end of May, before this is like we're back to normal as far as, like, businesses being open. But it's hard to say. So, uh, But I do appreciate everyone's support. We will talk to you again next week. Take care. Have a good one. Bye, friends. Bye-bye. <laughs>